Rendition of the Emo Brown, the saddest Mexican intro song. Uh huh. Bro. Dime. We have somebody in here. We have somebody in here that. Yeah. The big fish. There's a We've reason. We've done did it. We've got the big fish. There's a reason I'm sitting outside of the room. Because Bro, you always sit on the outside. It doesn't matter if fucking small teeth <laughs> is sitting in the fucking good I chair. I wasn't here for that. No. <laughs> Don't blame me for that. Before we get into royalty, can you tell me a little bit more about our sponsor? Grasshopper. Mm, where can you find them? Grasshopper. Once upon a time, strictly online. I don't know the rules. I don't know the regulations. The website is. I don't know the rules. I don't know the regulations. I don't know how much I can say. But if you go to ghbuds.com, they'll deliver the shit to you. And 10 a.m. before that, what happens? There's something called the wake and bake, Caesar. Mm. Is this scripted, fool? You're looking at me in a way that you know what you're doing. Um, wake and bake. I've tried Every before. morning up until 10 a.m., you get 15% off. You don't like waking up that early? Fuck, wake up at 10.05. I don't give a shit. What Tell them then? Emo Brown. And then get that same off. discount. Recreational. It's a beautiful time to be alive. Whatever you need. It's, it's a beautiful time to be alive. Our guest today actually grows marijuana <laughs> in North Park in his home, in his condo for people who don't have children. He divulged a lot before we even started, bro. He gave us a lot bro, of shit. I'm, I'm sorry to correct you right out of the gate. Not grows. Consumes. He's <laughs> oh, a patron oh. of uh, ghbud.com. <laughs> Emo Brown Social Club. The list is long. The list yeah. is mighty. We're sorry, but we can't read. Yeah, yeah, we will. Names. We will, but not today. Not today. Not today. There's a lot of big things coming. The backyard boogie. The list has been solidified. Mm. The, uh, the sizes are done. The RSVPs are done. Excited people who joined. We had a couple of people who aren't uh, Emo Brown Social Club members who signed the RSVP sheet to go to the event. Right now, no. right now, Deputy Gus Gonzalez, the VP no, on the scene. I would not want to cross Gus. Dude, he's he's fucking going through with the fine comb and he texts me, he's, "Hey, bro, this person is not." a Patreon member huh. and is on the RSVP list. What do I do? I said, bitch, handle it. You're the brown belt in jujitsu. I said, that's all you. I'm going to let you do this he's thing, bro. Air, he man. Is, he's my Tom, my, my yeah. Tom Hagen Tom dog. Tom Hagen dog. He whispers in the ear and Steve goes. I like that you, you catch most of my references, bro. I do like that you, you catch it. Enough yeah. about you. Ladies and gentlemen, with us <laughs> today, with us today, I feel like we've brought pretty big radio personalities, bro. Uh -huh. You know, Stephen Woods, you know, and Jordan Carruth. Um, yeah, that's it. Chris Cantori. Like I said, that's it. And now, ladies and gentlemen, a Barca fan. Mm. A Cholo fan. <laughs> dude, he's got the Mexican flag tatted on him. Bro, I grew up listening to this dude. Like I would be in my previous life, I was in finance and, and banking, accounting, whatever. And I would go to my lunch break in my car. And you would hear, Billy, Billy Wardale. <laughs> and? <laughs> and? Well, no, but my... What's going on, Martha? Like, oh, no. <laughs> I don't feel that drama. Ladies and gentlemen, we have Darren Smith here today. Oh. 
Well, you are six years younger than me. Don't give me that I grew up listening to you bullshit. I grew up listening to you on my lunch breaks at work. I grew up listening to you. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, okay, let me change your diaper. You're, you're, you're the Howard Stern of my uh, my sports radio talk on, on the little dial there on, t- on my radio, bro. I'm three years younger than him. Can I say that or no? no absolutely right. not. Yeah, unless I you're tried. in your 30. Well, I guess you kind of are. But unless you're in your 20s. Yeah. He's I got a Latin nasty mustache. <laughs> Fuck, I don't know if that plays a part, but that mustache, you can't get away with anything with that thing. Too kind. Thank you. Darren Pleasure to be here. Smith. It's been too long. Bro, I look at you and every time I look at you, you look younger, more fit. I feel like you're the starting left back for Cholos. I don't know what's going on. You definitely got the height. You got the move. Why do you love soccer so much? Before we get it into anything where and how did you get into your love for soccer? Yeah, nothing like it, right? Um, I, well, I just find race. myself more and more loving it every day. It, it was just... So the short story is I go to Barcelona with my wife, oh. who's on a business trip. This guy over here. I'm just a plus one. <laughs> I have a colleague of mine back from the old Mighty 1090 days, Alex Padilla. He says, oh, uh, uh, glory, FC Barcelona. Glory, man, you Exactly. So, you know, so. <laughs> he edited that out. <laughs> he says, uh, hey, Barca's playing. You should go. They're playing against Sevilla. So when, uh, you know, I'm always down for a sports experience, sports radio. Let's go. My wife's begrudgingly like, hey, let's do it. Let's check it out. Whatever. We're going to be in town for a little bit. Right. She's been, she comes to baseball games and, you know, she she's in and out on sports, but she agrees to go do this. I pay for the tickets. And it just, you know, it was the whole vibe experience of being in the city, of watching European soccer. Oh. It was just something that, you know, you just uh, you just don't get the the chance really to experience, only to come home. And it was right after the World Cup in 2010. So that said, there was a little bit of history for me at St. John's when I was a student broadcaster is that I always hung out with uh, soccer players. I called soccer games on radio when I was- A powerhouse. There. St. John was a soccer powerhouse. We won a national yep, championship. I was gonna, yeah. By the way, I will say the only national championship. I was on the mic for that back in the day. And we had a lot of international players. We had players from England because it's New York City, right? So we had players from England and Ireland. And I always used to love partying with those dudes. Those dudes were the best. And, and you know, like I got it. Like I understand, like I just vibed with them really, really well. So even though I thought my future was going to be tied to broadcasting baseball, basketball, I really vibed with the soccer guys. So I did that for a couple of years. And then you get in a, a professional, you know, sports radio and and like soccer doesn't really have a place, you know, when I'm in Blast the late 90s. So, you know, now it's not like it is today. I'll tell right. you that. And you know, so I just figured, hey, you know, this is not something I'm ever going to really use or need. And then I go to this random Barca match in, in 2010 and. I, all of a sudden, my eyes just opened up, and I realized not only was it the sport, not only was it just the culture of it, it was the people. I mean, just all of it just mm-hmm. made sense for me. Like, it just clicked on a level that that I hadn't really yet experienced through any other sport. So, people say it all the time. Like, you get the bug or you don't. Yeah. A lot of people are born right. into this. There's no half-stepping when it comes to football, my man. There's no half-stepping on football. You and some people think- and some people think, you know, maybe that that stage of your life, it's too late to get into it. But I would tell you it's the complete opposite. And, you know, I, I'm always one of those stories that I tell people. And like when people go, ah, I never really got into it. And I was like, no, no, like, it's OK. Like you can still get it. You can still catch the mm-hmm. bug big time for football. And then all of a sudden it became Cholos and yeah. they get promoted. And then we're down there. We're sitting in a trailer. And then all of a sudden, like your eyes just get open to all this sort of stuff. It's like you don't know that all this thing, all these things are right in front of you until you open your eyes. And my eyes got open there in October of 2010. This is a fucking guy, dog. Which is crazy. An epiphany. For what, it was. For, that's exactly yeah. right. And for what it's worth, I think a good portion of soccer fans were turned in that 2010 World Cup. 
I feel like that's where my appreciation from soccer went from mild to absolutely fanatic. Yeah, well, bro, I'll but tell you, Caesar, it's interesting you say that because in 2010, right? So you know the World Cup happens, and I remember doing a really half-assed job on radio of covering it. But what I recognized was people give a shit about this. Mm -hmm. Like people, especially here in San Diego, care a lot about this. No era penal. See, no era. Well. No, was that 2010? Was that 2010? No, 2014. No, still wasn't a fucking penalty. Still not a penalty, baby. But, you know, I came out of that, that World Cup cycle going to myself, you know, I, I need to prioritize this. I need to, this is more of a thing professionally than I had realized. And then here comes this trip in October where I'm in Spain and I go and I experience this and it was just the luck of the draw. And I'll tell you what it was. It wasn't even going to Camp Now and seeing You know, beautiful fucking stadium, dog. Amazing. I been? hate Barcelona. Yeah, I hate Barcelona. But that whole neighborhood. But that whole area, the whole, the Las Ramblas rocking into it. Yeah. We, and we, that's what it was. That yeah. was the culture. It's, an ex it's a culture. It's an experience. It's not just going, it's not just going, purchasing your ticket, waiting in line to get in, going to your seat, getting a refreshment and coming back. No, no, no. These things, it's like a whole day event. Days. It's a whole week of planning to do this thing. We went. We were fortunate enough to be out in in Barcelona during the Champions League, and it was Lyon against Barcelona, and it was in the era of Giovanni dos Santos. So I, fuck dog, I stick out like a sore thumb in Barcelona. You know, I would go to everyone. Do they make it And I was like, yes. He's like, you have a round face. I was like, fuck you, dog. <laughs> and I mean, I was wearing, yeah, I was wearing also. Mexico jerseys. I was taking like a Mexico hat. It was during the WBC, and I was just rocking my my Mexico gear, and we. They hate Mexicans to no fucking end, bro. They really dislike Mexicans over there. And it unless was you're more than Rafa other Mexicans. Marquez. No, unless you're Rafita Marquez, bro. Unless, you know, <laughs> it, there, there's, there's lineage, there's lines. And, but over there is like, no, bro, we're just ah, Mexicans. You're peasants to us. That's how we felt the whole time over there. And I was like, whatever. Had a good time. Even with that, walking down the Ramblas with little French fans just shouting, screaming their, 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 their songs, singing their things, drinking. I was like, bro, this is it. Mm -hmm. You know, I've always been a United fan since uh, Eric Cantona dropkicked somebody in the in the stands. Uh, I was Crystal, like, Crystal Palace. Crystal Palace. Yes, yeah. sir. And I was like, oh, that's my squad. That's my team. Loved it. Loved it. But I never solidified my my membership as a fan of that squad until I went to Old Trafford. And when you go to Old Trafford, it's another experience, man. I mean, these are people that working class people. It's not just a fucking weekend thing. Oh, I'm going to United match. No, 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 no. You're born into this shit. You're born into it. And once you're born into it, there's no going out. It's like, it's a gang. It it, 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 it's, it's a lifestyle. It's a social class. It's a whole thing. You've got city down the street, a few, a few kilometers down who went to that stadium too. And it's like, oh, fuck these guys. I'm from Chula Vista. I'm a Mexican from Chula Vista, traveled to Manchester. And I was like, fuck city. Why? That's just the way I was. It, it took over you're, me, bro. You're indoctrinated. Yeah, it, it took yeah. me in. I, I love two things that it relates to sports: the Padres and United. You know, those things right. are. I'll go to another city. I'll go to another town and watch a team, and I invite the hate. Like, bring it. I don't give a shit. This is my squad. I'm in your neighborhood watching my team mm -hmm. destroy yours. You know, doesn't always work out that way, but most of the time. <laughs> but when it does, it feels amazing. So yeah, the epiphany for me was this solidified my membership in this squad. Like I know I'm a, I'm a, I'm overseas. I'm across the pond. I'm this. I'm that. I'm just an American. I'm a United fan. You're a Barcelona fan. 
we're football fans and there's nothing else that'll bridge our friendship or unite us more than that. Right. You know, the thing about it was, you know, it, it, and everybody jumps on Barca fans and rightfully so. Like, I'm kind of curious to see like what the fan base looks like after. Oh, Cause United fans were so loved and respected. Yeah. So, so, uh, <laughs> right, right, right. But like every fan in this country loves somebody who's at the top and right. Like, you know, Swansea mm. supporters <sighs> show up here. I mm. love those dudes because they have followed their club, even though they've been relegated. That takes but some sort of love. Part, like the American <laughs> European soccer fan has a pretty good, right? Like, oh yeah. Chelsea fan. Fans, Liverpool, Liverpool, Tottenham. I mean, like even if Tottenham's like the worst thing that you got to deal with. All right. So, but the thing I love most about that experience and the thing that always stands out to me was the night before the match, talking about being at Las Ramblas, we were there, we were in a bar one night and my wife and I were having cocktails and we get to talking to some gentlemen and it's total Spanglish. Like, like our Spanish isn't great and his English wasn't great. You got it done. And we communicate yeah. and we tell him that we're going to the match the next day against Sevilla. And we just said, as a courtesy, we said, you know, because sometimes there's that reputation about football that, you know, you wear the wrong things and, and who knows what. And so we said, well, any advice for us what we should wear tomorrow? Like, we don't want to be in a situation where maybe we're wrong. We didn't know, like, Sevilla. He goes, he stopped us dead in our track. And he goes, no, no, no. Like, we're familia here. Like, familia aquí. Like, this is, and he says to me exactly this. This is not Brazil. Nice. <laughs> he's like, so you wear what you want to wear. Like, a, that, we, that's a statement in itself right there, he's man. like, we bring, you know, family, we bring kids, we bring, you know, grandmother, like abuela. And so, you know, from that standpoint, like you just felt like, you know, we felt really, really comfortable doing that because everybody would tell you ahead of time, oh man, you know, this is our grand hooliganism and all the ultras and all that sort of stuff. And it was none of that. And like, we, but it exists. we felt accepted, you know, like we felt accepted. Like, I'm sorry to hear that about, you know, round face and all that sort of thing, but Hey man, I've lost weight, but, <laughs> but like, you know, we just felt like, like, it. wow, like, you know, like, like we, we really felt comfortable and accepted there and, and we stayed and it was a total eye opener. And then you can come home and you can consume all this sort of stuff too. And it's much more available than people realize. And all of a sudden you realize there's a Pena here and there's a bunch of Barca supporters and there's a bunch of United supporters and Spurs supporters. And you just realize it's much more of a culture than, than you would realize if you were only paying attention. Just open your eyes in this country yeah. as is defined by what's important and what's oh, not. Man. See but, that, that voice right there. And the way he just fucking put a little ribbon on it, tied it up and just said, <laughs> Give it a little spank. I was like, damn. There's a difference between professionalism. Bro, and like, you know, we, 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 we get drunk, we'll smoke and hang out and talk shit. And, oh, yeah, fucking United. Oh, fuck Tottenham. But when fucking Darren Smith comes down and sits down and puts on the headset and he's looking dead at you and saying, yes. I'm like, yeah, I'm on board, bro. You know, oh, well, let's take it a step further. You've gotten to experience El Clásico. I did. You yeah. did go to the Clásico, you 2015, nasty yeah. Yeah. God. And I saw, I mean, the best collection of players on the planet. You know, there's Benzema down there. There's Cristiano Ronaldo down there. I don't there. like that you went Benzema before Ronaldo. I was setting it up so mm. I can end up with the Barca players, but it was, it was <laughs> you know, it was the MS Len MSN line. It was Messi, Suarez, yeah. Neymar. Yeah. And, and it just, you know, and it's, it's, uh, and yes, the, I mean, it's just, you know, it couldn't have been a better collection. I mean, it's, it's, you know, you're a spoiled brat for having seen something like that because once your bar is set up that high, 2 1 Barca victory, by the way. But, you know, <laughs> just to be able to, to, you know, to be in that stadium with 100,000 people. Yeah. that's People don't understand that. 100,000 people. Yeah. That is a Dude. lot of people, bro. And I realize this is a podcast, but afterwards I will show you this video of everybody singing the Barca hymn. And, like, they just, oh. they, they turn the music down and the 100,000 people all color-coded from top of the stadium to the bottom of the stadium. Oh, like, man. It's just, and, and I was with a friend of mine who's not a big, he's not a football fan at all. 
But he came because he hates his wife and he wanted to take a trip with me. <laughs> Sorry, life. buddy, on blast. Yeah, I'm not going to mention him, but he, his wife would never listen to this. Pinchy Jordan. Pinchy <laughs> <laughs> Jordan. So my buddy comes and he's an NFL guy. You know, he's a strict American sports fan. And, uh, you know, been to Super Bowls, all that sort of stuff. And he turns to me during the Barca Ham pre match, right? As the two sides are coming out there onto the field. And he goes, dude, this makes the fo- this he goes, this makes the Super Bowl feel like a high school football game. And he's he's just like, he was so crazy. blown away because you know he was like, hey, I'm just trying to get out of my house. I just want to go on an international trip. I <laughs> Yo, motherfucker, I'll go to church if he's, he's like, asked me to go to church. I'll go to party wherever. And he turns to me in the middle of that and he goes, dude, this makes the Super Bowl look like a high school. Game. Is he a Barca fan now? A little bit, yeah. I mean, he carried it over a little bit. Good, he's good, a Barca right. fan, and as right. much as that, he just wants to go and travel and go to soccer matches. You know what I mean? He just wants to go watch football somewhere because he realizes. That it, it, you know, culturally, it just means something different. Sure. And it's no disrespect to our sports. I've made, you know, a lot of money and a living talking about our sports in the United States. Oof. But, you know, that, dream. that said, like, like, you know, it's just, and it's not, I don't want to say it's better. It's just different. It just operates on a different level. It just lands on a different level, right? Well, I mean, to that extent, you've sat on Radio Row. You've covered so much. Is there anything that comes close in comparison with the American sports experience. Emo Brown, the saddest Mexican podcast, probably <laughs> is near the top. I don't know. <laughs> not really. You know, I mean, not on that level where you can feel. I mean, when you go to a big event, you go to a Super Bowl or mm-hmm. a Final Four. If you go to the right city, you can tell when you land, this is what's happening there. You I mean, know? if you get into Bama Auburn game, bro, yeah. and it's like a title game, an SEC title, it's like, okay. Yeah. But that, it just pales in comparison. Some bro, of those right? quintessential sport, like yeah. college football towns. Well, I mean, yeah. things have to line up. I think you can go to a Barcelona match. You could go to a United Liverpool match and it's just going to be bananas. The closest experience that I've had to anybody talking about that is a, a good friend of mine that went to UNC Duke. Mm. And he was like, yeah. He's an international soccer fan, and he's like, yeah, man, that was the closest I'll ever come to that experience. I think college football, you know, college sports probably comes closest mm-hmm. for me just because, you know, so much of that, like that passion is is just, you know, it's it's raised through generations. Right. You know, and, and it's not that like pro sports, like Padre fandom isn't passed down from generation to generation. It's just that like it just feels like a different level of investment in in some of those college situation some of those college football you know the atmosphere where you know people are bought in like they're you know they feel like they're more than fans they don't feel like they're customers they feel like you know this is part of my dna this is yeah. part of what i'm yeah. all about which is why when they go pro and they always you know like shout out to unc or this is where i cut my teeth i'm, I'm this from is, the u yeah you know it's like right. that, that's awesome yeah it's <laughs> like, i'm happy you went in 2010 because it birthed Many things, but most importantly to me is the Unnamed Soccer Podcast, which I want to dive into. But I want to know more about y- your origin, your beginnings. You've mentioned that you're from St. John's, New York. How'd you get your start in radio? Well, let's go back to 1989. No, uh, actually, it, it is true. I mean, there are roots of that back to when I was uh, a senior in high school. So I'm an old fucking guy, like graduated high school in 1990 and didn't have much direction or purpose, was running in the wrong direction for sure. Um, just outside of, you know, 15, 16 miles outside of New York City and uh, was was not going anywhere in the right direction, was not going anywhere. Forget about what direction. And um, my senior year of high school, we had the opportunity to, my mom uh, put us in a situation where, you know, we were uh, in this pretty affluent area and our high school had a, uh, what do you call it? 
um, public access TV station. Oh, cool. Is that right? Yeah. You know yeah. what that, yeah, I mean, Wayne's that World. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Wayne's World. So our high school had access to this, you know, to this public access television station. And my mother said, you know, I was looking for a class uh, my senior year of high school. And she said, you know, what about going on television and, you know, working for the, the television production behind the scenes on the camera, whatever. And I sort of shrugged my shoulders. It wasn't really something that I was interested in, but I did like sports. You know, my dad and I had a connection through sports. My dad, um, you know, he used to, uh, you know, he and I, like our, our relationship is built on sports, like sports gambling, things along those lines. So I say, yeah, I mean, I he, guess. He threw, in, he threw in gambling at the tail end. Oh, you know, our, 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 it's sports, you know, <laughs> well, parlays, gambling, the money lines. <laughs> when, I, when I was a junior in high school, I was the only kid in my high school who knew how to perform a three-team tease Hell and yeah. all that sort of stuff. Like yeah, I was dude. handing out the betting slips. Five and a half points, baby. I had all these rich kids around me. So like they were just willing to fork their money over. Get money. So this so, is uh, an unsolicited, uh, Darren was the bookie of this high school. I was <laughs> I was definitely the middle person. You took some action. Yeah, I Hell took yeah. the action. I handed out the betting slips. You guys remember those betting slips so it used to be like crazy. the scandron mm -hmm. and shit <laughs> it was uh, sort of like that and like you used to have to fill it yeah. out and you take your receipt yeah. and all that shit so um so my mother convinced me to take this class and they were looking and you know, we would do a weekly newscast and i ended up doing the sports and this is a true story it's the only a that i got when i was in high school holy so shit. the only a that i got my mother at the end of the year after i graduated she goes you got one a in high school do you maybe want to think about that? What does this tell you, Darren? Because <laughs> my eyes were not open to that. You know, I was like ready to move on and, yeah. you know, just go do some other shit and, and, you know, just go, you know, be with my friends and all that sort of stuff. And yeah, I was like content to be, you know, blue collar working class. And like, you know, I was fine. Like that was good for me growing up around New York City. Like, that yeah, was, I was going to say, how is it like growing up in New York City? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, 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 it's hard to ask you because I mean, that's all you know. I mean, all I yeah. yeah, I mean, I didn't know any different. You know? I mean, you were in the Beastie Boys for a short lived time, I heard. Uh, <laughs> I used to see them at CBGB's see, back on the Sunday matinee show at Holy 2 o'clock. You can talk to any random New York person from his era, dog, and, oh, they'll, yeah. and they'll just drop knowledge like Dude, that. You that's, know? that's BB. Does that all Jesus the time. Jesus Christ. Yeah. CBGB's on that's uh, Sunday matinees, 2 p.m., man. I used to see them all the time. They used to be hanging out front with their Doc Martens and their Blue Lakes. I feel like there's more freedom for kids, adolescents, teenagers in New York City as opposed to out here. I mean, all I know is out here. All I know is being Mexican, being raised by a Mexican family, which is very tight-knit. And no, cabron, when the light goes on, you come home. Like in New York... <laughs> Anytime we've gone to visit, that's just just wild. You see that legitimately that town never fucking sleeps, bro. Right. Well, where, it, you, where are you going to go? Hot yeah. Dogs, I mean, there's, people, there's hot dogs on the corner, dog. There's hot nuts. You can buy salted nuts, whatever. Uh, you can the do shish kebab is always hard. The kebabs, bro. The kebabs. Jesus Christ. Yeah, I would have lost yeah, my fucking outside mind out of there. our uh, haircutting <laughs> place on 14th Street was the, the best kebab shop ever. But, you know, I, I just, you know, I, I um, you know, I took this class and, I did well. And my mother convinced me, well, maybe, you know, maybe you have some future in this. So you know, I sort of entertained it. I went to community college for a couple of years, sort of drifting, not really doing my thing. And then I got a girlfriend and then my girlfriend, you know, I realized like, you know, there's a life here that I might want to, um, I might want to plan for. Like it's the first time this. I ever really thought about like when it you clicks. Know, living more than like four or five, six months at a time. And <laughs> you, so you plan I, that far ahead? Fucking <laughs> white people, even when they think things are going disheveled and whatever, it's like, oh, five, six months ahead. It's like, damn. Like, wait, wait. So I, I, go to, I go to community college. I do all the, you know, the communications classes. And again, I'm sort of drifting. I'm, you know, I'm bartending and I'm having a great time. Like I'm just having the best time ever. Hell yeah. Because you're, you're acting 20. your age. Yeah. I'm acting my age. I'm just, you know, I got a lot of shit I got to get out of my system. And uh, one day I just decided I just I wanted to go to St. John's. I wanted to call St. John's basketball games on the radio, and I just put all my shit together and got my res uh, got my uh, my class load all worked out. And I went I went to St. John's and 
signed up to go work for the student radio station and the student newspaper and oh, yeah. figured out a way to, to make them pay a little bit for my, my tuition. And, uh, you know, my mother and I, uh, it was a, it was a hard, hard time economically. Like, you know, no joke, like we rolled coins to go to college, you know, for me Jeez. to be able to go to college. And I had to get these stipends from the student radio station. That is awesome, bro. Newspaper. That's, and, that's, you know, my mother, uh, I mean, I, you know, I'll, I'll get emotional talking about it. Like, like she worked two jobs. We lived in a single bedroom apartment um, surrounded by rich white people who, you know, who, who didn't, um, who we were, we didn't have a lot in common with, you know, right. I didn't have a lot in common with and uh, just, just sort of figured it out and just worked my way up through student radio, through student newspaper. And then even after college, after I graduated, I, you know, I still wanted to fuck off for another couple of years and go chase women and do all that sort of stuff. And, um, was bartending and, and one day again, got my acting gear. Like it's always a woman, like a woman got my acting gear and I sent a resume to ESPN and a couple months later they called me back and they, they hired me to be a entry level shit. Before we get into that, bro, I want to touch on the fucking, the humble beginnings. Like, I, I feel like a lot of people tune in late into somebody's career and they just kind of, they, they catch the highlights. They catch the cliff notes like, Oh, he's been on ESPN. Oh, he, he's the, the voice of 1090. Oh, he's this, oh, he's that. But you and your mom, like sharing that experience of doing whatever it takes to make ends meet, just like grinding it out, that has to fuel your passionate fire to not fucking quit, dog. Yeah. That, that's got to like be that little voice in the back. It's like, no, my mom put too much on the line for me to just stop. You know, that's what I like. I like the human element of people who have made it to the, sure. the peak of their career. It's like, where did it really start? Because I've never met anybody that's made it. It's like, it's comparable to your career. It's like at the peak of their game. Where it's like, oh, it was easy, man. I just it fucking, you know. It was I, a hand me. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I grew up in Connecticut, and then I went to a fucking Bristol, or, and then all of a sudden, oh, here I am. Fucking just, you know, I'm doing ESPN Sports Center. No, man, most of the people that, that I've talked to that are killing it, it comes from a beginning where there was chaos, disarray, unknowing. It's like, oh, shit, what's going on? What am I going to do? It makes you appreciate it more. I feel like I feel like you, you take care of it like it's a, a, a little porcelain little egg, well, you know, I mean, and you got to take care of it and nurture it and be like, I'm not going to fuck this that, up. That's what piques my curiosity from somebody that was talked into this in high school, developed this into a college thing, and then all of a sudden you end up in ESPN and you're producing for the Dan Patrick radio yeah. show. Like, from the outside in, it looks like oh that was God. your destiny, bro. You know, yeah. like, you know, I've had very minimal conversations with you as it relates to this and, and it just seems like the way you've just laid it all out, the blueprint always was like, no, man, this is what you're meant to do. This is the next step and what you have to do. This is where you always belong. You know, and that, I think that's fucking awesome. Yeah, I mean, I don't, you know, the reason I, I don't spend a ton of time talking about that sort of stuff is, you know, and those who know, know. Um, I guess now and everybody who listens. Oh, <laughs> seven people. Um, <laughs> Terry Smith, we have 1,500 downloads in the first two days. All right, dog? I feel like that's something. Yeah. <laughs> we said we have 93 Patreons. I think he's, a, he's, he's obsessed Shit. with that. Now. Huh? Fuck. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, it was just, you know, it's where I come from. Yeah. And I've heard a million stories like that. And I've heard a million stories from athletes who probably had it worse than mm -hmm. I did. I don't, yeah. you know, I mean, I, I didn't. It, when you're living it in real time, you think, oh, my gosh, like, I don't have as much as I as these rich people who I'm around. Right. But in hindsight, I, I never wanted for anything. And, you know, that was because my mother worked two jobs and would oftentimes work at night and she slept on a pullout couch Fucking for my entire dog. life. Hell so, yeah. you know, like, like that's, I honor her by trying to be as successful as I can and by making sure that, that I'm rewarding her sacrifice. Like that's what it is. It's her sacrifice to make sure that I, 
could put myself in a position where I'm I could fucking be gonna make me life. cry. Jesus Christ, <laughs> fucking dropping knowledge yeah, over yeah. here. But, but you know, I've heard you know, and and sometimes you know when you hear stories about athletes and their upbringing and such, and and somebody ends up getting in trouble, and you go, well, you know, what do you expect? You know, they had an absentee father and all that sort of stuff, and I kind of go, okay, I don't know what it's like to walk in their shoes, but. You know, I know what it's like to walk in mine. And, and you know, from that standpoint, I, I just never really wanted to, um, you know, I, I wanted to to grow from all of that. Like, I wanted that to be a springboard for me to look at what, like, real sacrifice and work and, and and you know, somebody who didn't take a vacation for as long as I can remember when I was through junior high school and high school, somebody who helped me roll coins so that I can go to college. You know, like, I just always wanted to you know, prove to, to, uh, her and her sacrifice. Like it was worth it. It was worth it because yeah. I'm a happy person mm-hmm. now. You Successful did right. person. Good for you, man. Yeah, Good for I mean, you. Like I never wanted that to be any sort of, you know, crutch whatsoever. Not that it's, you know, not that it's not, 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 not that, you know, that the circumstances aren't real in people's life. Like that's real shit. Like that's real stuff that people live with. You know, like Sean Merriman, right? Like growing yeah. up and having bullets fly around yeah, the house and right. that sort of stuff. So and fire in the house. Fires in the house. Tequila, and, you know, tequila. I mean, <laughs> right. once you get to that level, then you're like, dog, what are you doing? <laughs> what the f- but you know, like Miguel Tejada is another guy yes. that stands yeah. out to me yes. about having this whole fucking like, carton milk shanty town yeah. fly away in the middle of a hurricane. Dude, he used to have stuff. a carton, a uh, milk carton as his fucking baseball glow dog. Yeah. And yeah. I, I, those stories are real. And I don't think it's it's coincidence that dudes that make it to that level come from humble beginnings and even less than humble beginnings. I feel like they get that worth ethic. It's like, no, I know what it's like to be here. I'm not going to, I'm not, this is not where my story ends. I'm going to keep grinding until I get to the top. And they always have that father or that mother figure. And yeah. if they're lucky, they'll have both. And it's like, this is for them. They, yeah. they did everything they could to provide anything they could so I can get to this level. So, I mean, in, in that regard- Tell us about the ESPN experience because you came in at a time where, if I'm not mistaken, I've heard you talk about it, that they were transitioning to that 24-hour ESPN format. Yeah. Like, what was that like living through yeah, that it was, era? It was like, crazy. Because right now- ESPN a, wasn't always 24 hours. No, <laughs> what the fuck? Not on the radio side. Yeah, it was that's, crazy. That's like, a normality a 24-hour for network. I was there when it when it flipped the switch. They didn't have a morning show. Like they had not, it, was, it was wild. So they had, when I showed up in Bristol, it was- uh, October of 1998. So the Padres in the World Series. Oh. I, I can distinctly He's remember. Sub dog. I can distinctly <laughs> remember. Uh, what's his name? Dennis Eckersley was a oh. paid analyst. Anal cyst. Fuck this, Anal cyst. And we were watching the Padres in the World Series, and they would show Dave Stewart, his mm. teammate from the Oakland A's. Mm. And they Snake would eyes. put him on camera, and they would show Dave Stewart, who was the pitching coach of the Padres. And I can hear, I can see in my, you know, in my mind. I can see Dennis Eckersley going, motherfucker, stop yelling at those bits. You know, like, he just was, <laughs> I don't know what it was. It just, but um, going up there, Bristol, Connecticut is in the middle of fucking nowhere. Mm. There's nowhere around here that's even comparable to it. Unless you want to go out to like, uh, uh, what is it called? Jacumba or something like nice. that. Nice. So, you know, you just drive and drive and drive and drive. Like, it's a silent J like yogging. Is it? <laughs> no, no, no. So I said that on the air. I said Hokumba on the air. There you air. go. Oh, and nice. somebody corrected me and told me that it was a hard J. Jacumba? So in my yeah. life. Jamaica, Jamaica. How do you say What are we doing? Hakumba. 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 Yeah. Man, that's stop, what I've said That's the way that we mm. pronounce that. Well, somebody corrected Marty and me on the air one day. So I don't know. I'm all fucked up. I'm all fucked but, up, dog. <laughs> you know, you drive. Like when they told me, when I got the call for my interview, they said, all right, what you want to do? Because I was living in New York. 
in just outside of the city. And they said, well, you're going to want to, you know, take the 284 to the 84 and then you take it east and you're going to get off exit 31. And you're going to make a left and you're going to pass a bunch of cows and you're going to pass a bunch of another bunch of cows. And then you're going to take a turn. And there's some more cows and then you're going to see satellite dishes. Boom. And that's the <laughs> Welcome to the campus. Like as if you didn't know, like, like here are all these satellite dishes. So it's, is that all that there's in Bristol? Just the yeah. campus, just the ESPN headquarters? Dude, that- bro, that is it. But what, what I'm not that, even bullshitting you. Like that is it. What did that start as? Like when you arrived there and they were developing into that, yeah. what did that look like? I like when you use your radio voice, bro. Dude, but just, I just want to tell you that. That's fucking- <laughs> Seriously, what did that look like? It was, it was different. Now? I mean, there's a bunch of satellite dishes. There was three buildings. Uh, now it's a lot more. They built a $10 million cafeteria, Boom. which tells you a little bit about mm. how well ESPN is doing. But, you know, it's these three buildings and ESPN Radio, which is where I got hired. You know, ESPN yeah. was the parent company, but ESPN Radio was where I was because I'm a radio person. And, um, you know, that we were using this old bike, 1972 Munich Olympics. No joke. No bullshit. Uh, 1972 Munich Olympics uh, radio bunker that they had in Germany <laughs> that they, yeah, that they transported to Bristol, Connecticut, and they just threw on the second floor of building two. If you can make this work, you'll make it all work. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, like like our equipment that you're lo- you're using right now for this mm-hmm. is more advanced than the equipment that yeah, we have. This is, I'd like to take this moment to thank uh, the Emo Brown Social Club, the Patreoners. Thank you for financing the purchase of such high-tech technology have, here, bro. Have you heard of ESPN Radio? We're better. <laughs> uh, you're better than where they were when I was there. So, no, like, they, they had no 24-hour day. Like, they had uh, the fabulous Sports Babe, remember Fabulous Sports Babe? That I no, Fabulous Sports Babe. Tony Kornheiser did a show, I a show called Game Night, and that was it. And uh, a guy named Todd Wright, Todd Wright all night, and then that was it. And then they would fill in the gaps, and you'd have to pick up local programming wherever it was that you were. And so I started. I'm making eight bucks an hour. You know, I'm not, that's nothing. And and I'm a temporary employee. I'm just cutting tape. I'm literally cutting reels of tape. We're recording on a digital device. Back in the day, Jesus. we used to have Chopping all these reels with razor blades and leader tape, and we used to have to cut the tape. So I would be in a room with seven different pieces of equipment on, let's just say, like a college football Saturday. So you'd be in there on a college football Saturday, and I'd be rolling on six or seven different games. And when you would hear a highlight, you'd hear a touchdown in the uh, Ohio State-Michigan game, you'd take a piece of paper, you'd put it into the reel, and then you'd go back afterwards when it went to commercial break, and you would cut the highlight. And then you'd put the highlight on a cart, which is an eight-track, and you would make it available Holy for the producers. Oh, dog. So, like, no joke. Like, this was this was like all day Saturday. Like, I would hear, I'd be listening. I learned how to- That's uh, pressure. I learned how to, like, deal with, like, six or seven different- Broadcast at the same time Jesus Christ. and listen for the highlights that you were looking for—a big turnover, a touchdown, things along those. Lines. You couldn't be high and do this. Could not be high. Well, I don't know. Some people. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I will tell you this: ESPN had uh, one of the stricter drug policies when I started working there. I could. I did not get hired until I passed the drug test. Really? Yep. Chris Bergman worked there. Did they not test that motherfucker? What's going on? <laughs> what the fuck? There were certain guys. I don't know how they did it. Jesus it's the only Christ. time I got tested, but to get hired, I did have to get tested. All right. And, huh. Yeah, that's a true story, which is unlike any other radio experience I've ever had where they're like, what? We grade that shit. <laughs> do your thing. <laughs> so I used to do all that sort of stuff. And, you know, I guess for whatever reason, um, you know, after uh, a couple of months, they let me start producing weekends. And I started producing a show with Sean Salisbury. Ooh, fancy and, guy. Uh, Sean Salisbury. You, you know where he's Julie, from? And you know Julie Brahman. Uh, I don't know, Minnesota. Uh, no, Escondido. <laughs> oh, is he really? Is it, is so, so Sean Salisbury and Julie Brahman from San Diego. I used to produce their weekend show. And Sean Salisbury would, like, no communication during the week. He'd show up at, like, 2.59 <laughs> for a 3 o'clock Maybe show. Maybe he's not like, What, what do we have today? What do we have today? But, like, they used to do the show from the old Extra 69, uh, 690 Studios. Mm. 
Mm. So true story. So like I used to produce their show on weekends and then that went well. And then I started producing the game night show and then I got the, the Dan Patrick gig. Damn. Damn yeah. That's insane. Yeah. How big is Dan Patrick's head? Uh, literally? Or <laughs> yeah. Figuratively? We can go with the literal sense first. I, I give you the figurative story too. Ooh, Cause I'm one ready. time we traveled and he had the suit suitcase. So as we were getting set the board of plan, I was like, what is in the suitcase? And Dan will tell you this. And Dan goes, my ego. <laughs> that, he has the greatest so dry sense of yeah. humor, bro. He's just like always like, yeah. But he uh, that's great. actually what we keep in this thing. I didn't <laughs> see it this one's mine. <laughs> great hair. I mean, he had it all. Like I learned a ton. Like I would not, I would not be here if not for Dan Patrick because you know his brother started the Almighty Ten Ninety. That's how I got this. Holy case. shit! I had no idea. But that's saying something because during the pandemic, where did you go back to? I mean. You you were called on to do so many things during the pandemic, yeah. and I felt like that was that was an homage to all the work that you put in prior to developing yourself in San Diego. Yeah, I mean, it was you know, and then that's like I owe Dan everything, like because I remember he called me one day and was just like, "Hey, my brother's starting this radio station with John Lynch. It's in San Diego." I was like, "Dude, what? Like, I'm in the middle of fucking winter in New York. I'm like, get me the fuck out of here." Make it eat, and you know, and I'll be honest. You know, I wasn't coming out here to like to be here 20 something years later. I was coming out here for a couple of years of experience and then I was going to go climb the ladder and go work in bigger markets and eventually maybe circle another step in the ladder in New York. And yeah, for sure. Then you land in a place like this. You're like, dude, I don't know too many people that come out here and ultimately say, nope, I, I'm going to leave now. A lot you know, of people do. I really? mean, you know, a lot of people in my business do, you know, whether it's writers or broadcasters, I, I mean, more people do than, than you think. The reason why is because people come out and are like, dude, I'm not going fucking anywhere. Yeah. Like, I don't want to go anywhere. Like I've got a social circle. I've got a great vibe here. Like if I can make it work here, I'm going to figure out a way to make it work, which is why in my business, you see so many people just sort of rotate around and they'll, you know, I mean, there's a downside to this because, um, you know, people will, uh, will take less to stay here, to stay here, you know, and, and the Tony uh, Gwynn discount. Sometimes that becomes yeah. a, in, in, in my business that becomes not an ideal thing yeah. um, that people will, will jump into lower salaries, uh, but neither here nor there. I mean, we still get to live in San Diego, amazing city yeah. in this amazing region and title town, USA. <laughs> we'll be <laughs> what, the soccer's, <laughs> <Hopefully>. the soccer's <laughs> baby, <laughs> man. You've been here since 2003, by the way, to touch on the 98 world series, Mark Langston, that was a strike to fucking Tino Martinez. Yes. Enough man, said, like enough fucking that. said, I don't like to talk I'm about that. I'm just happy. That. I got to see Tony Gwynn hit a fucking bomb of the second in day. the house that Babe Ruth built, bro. That's all that mattered to me, dude. That was a wrap. Because you and I were there at that same last series, and <laughs> were we? You were there too. Yeah, we talked about this. No, we haven't. Some, some, some in ninety eight at the World Series. No, no, no in two thousand and six uh, when yeah. they closed the original. It was, it was one year before they closed it down. It was the mm, last the year last in the series house yeah. that Ruth built. And yeah, the Padres. Were oh there. right, right, right. We got yeah. tickets. We were wearing our Padre gear. Rolling you guys the were there. Yeah, bro. Yeah. Dude, I went back bro. for the final game. Yeah, oh, yeah. that must have been awesome. So the roommate I, that I was with, his brother worked out in New York at that time, and uh, he was. Pretty producing for discovery channel and he was doing a series out there and one of the guys that he got hooked up with worked for um god one of the mutual fund places uh shit big banking place anyways merrill lynch morgan Maybe. jp morgan there it is thank you so all of a sudden <laughs> he calls us up like when we're out there and we're waiting to go out there and buy tickets from scalpers and he's like no 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 i got you guys i got you guys and we sat like 15 rows back from first base. Oh, oh shit. Greatest Final thing. weekend. 
I sat next to the dude who's on the fucking cover of the Sublime 40 Ounces to Freedom. He was wearing a wife beater. It was all holy and it was dirty. And the foul ball came in our direction and my dad caught it. It was in that motherfucker's hand. And this dude just reached over and ripped it out of his hand. And I was like, say? I was like, what the fuck, dad? Like, what the fuck? You, you, you're from Mexicali, Mr. Tough Guy, El Chat, El Dude. Hey. The He's treasurer like, came. I asked him, I was like, what's up? I was like, no, mijo, no. I was like, I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was like okay. Dude, that was an experience. You fucking uh, New Yorkers are crazy, man. Dude, I, don't, I went back for the final game, and and uh, I think it was a Sunday night baseball game. Yep. And, and uh, like, you know, we went with dudes who passed out and had to take a taxi home and all that sort of shit. But, like, the last thing, like, this is the most sports story ever that I can ever tell is we just went back, not because we gave a shit. Like, we went back one time. So we can take the same drive that we always took in when we were cutting school, when we were in high school, when we used to go sit in the bleachers before it became fucking bougie to go do it. We took the same route. We went to the same hot dog truck. We got yelled at by the same fucking prisoners in that prison that's right down the road. We went out with like the same six pack. We went to stands, which is right across the street from the bleachers, uh, right there on 155th. Like we just wanted to do everything one last time as boys. Nostalgia. Because that was it. Like, and that was... That was probably the last time that that group was ever together was whatever Damn. year that was in 07. That's crazy. But like that was, you know, that's that was like such an important part of our upbringing. Yeah. You know, whether we went and started working in sports or whether we're working in Wall Street and HVAC companies or whether we're driving Uber, it was such an important part of our upbringing. The and Yankees. That's, like, that's why I fucking resonated so much like when, when you know, people went to Qualcomm for the last time. Because I understand it's just this gross concrete building. The same yeah. way the Yankee Stadium was just this gross concrete mm. building. But for memories. me, it was the memories of it. Like it yeah. was, I wasn't going there because I, I, I didn't grow up a big Yankee fan. You know, I grew up a baseball fan. So I'd go to Shea, I'd go to Yankee Stadium. Nostalgia. But I just wanted to go one more fucking time with my friends because it was such an important part of my life. That's what made me who I am, was going to these games with my friends and going sitting in the bleachers, drinking beer and getting tossed out and throwing hot dogs at people and all that sort of shit. <laughs> fucking like, that savages, was, bro. You know, and this, I can't afford like, to do that. And I kept telling people like about Qualcomm, I was like, Go one more time. Yeah. Just go one more time. Like, yeah. pick the person who you'd go to the game with, whether it's a family member, a boy, Bro, like a girl, or whatever. Like, just going to go. make El Tri against fucking Sweden. Going to El Tri against Costa Rica. You know, just going to watch El Tri at Qualcomm. You know, those are the memories I had. Yeah. And it's not watching the match. It's waiting in the fucking three hour wait on the freeway <laughs> with all the dudes like Parking in the truck. The yeah, bro. And, and everyone's just waving the Mexico flag, drinking fucking kawamas from the back truck beds. I'm like, that's what I remember. You know, I remember that my wife and myself, our first date was at a Padre Giant game and we sat in the fucking bleachers and it was raining. Like, those are the things I remember. I remember my dad taking me and looking at pictures in 1984, the World Series year for us. And I have pictures of myself there in the stands with my dad and my mom. I'm like, those are the things I remember. It's an ugly ass stadium. I'm happy it's fucking decimated and gone and no longer going to be there. But the memories that it, it gave me, like, wow, you know? That's who you are. Yeah. I mean, it's part of who you are. It and is. And in turn, like today, I was at the Padre game. I took my, my, my youngest, Ollie, he's only three. And it's the first time. My godson? Yeah, your godson. <laughs> it's the first time we went together to a match. You know, it's like we went to a game together, like no mom, no brothers. And he was distinct about it. He's like, daddy, I want you and me. No Sonny, no Jackie, no mama. Okay, next time we can go, but today, daddy and Ollie. And I said, bro, I got you. And he's like, he's a, I'm scared of him. <laughs> he's a little thug. And he looks at me and I'm like, all right, bro. Yeah, it's just you and me and relax, you know? And I know I'm popcorn. 
and I want nachos. I was like, all right, bro, like we got you. So those are the experiences and the memories that I'm currently building that my dad built with me. And it just, and it's weird because that's what sports does. And that's the, and that's the thing, you know, exactly. That's the thing is I get a little bit older that I realize more about sports is, you know, the wins and losses are important. Nobody's saying that they're not important. Like the Padres have an incredible amount of pressure on them here in 2021 to perform because they spent a bunch of money. But along the same lines, like isn't sports about like, like our memories of it sure. and the connections that we make. And, you know, it's not to say that the results don't matter. It's just that like, there's so much, there's so many more important things yeah. about you, your son, your yeah. godson. It's about all of us. It's about the connection that we all have. Like that to me is what sports is. Like at the end of the year, if they win great, like I love, I want them to win. I want the Padres to win. I want Loyal to win. I want San Diego State to win. I want all these clubs to win. Like I want everybody to win. But at the end of like, if I've gone through an entire season and you can take me on an amazing journey, like, yeah. dude, I fucking want, I'm there for the journey. I'm yeah. not there for the destination. And maybe that's product of me getting a little bit older. I don't know. But like, I'm there for the journey yeah. way more than I am for the fucking Damn, homie, you are in that reflective state of your life <laughs> now, bro. Look at you. It's called uh, three words, midlife crisis. When I was 35, <laughs> it was a very good year. I'm going to go outside and look for his Miata. Jesus midlife Christ. Yeah. Make sure it's a convertible. It's, it's, it's bright yellow. <laughs> in, in, in that sense, it's you're not wrong because like my favorite memories happened to be of Chargers failures. Like the, the best memory I have was Tom Brady hitting Rache Caldwell down the sideline. And after the game, dude, Rache Caldwell's eyes were huge. First off, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah. 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 After the game, <laughs> Why was he tweaked out? Shane <laughs> Olivier getting so upset that he chucked his fucking helmet into the stands two rows for me. And I'm like, this is going to kill somebody. And the guy caught the helmet and I was like, Oh, okay. Well you're not dead. This is fine. But Worst memory of my Chargers fandom, but the most vivid memory yeah, it's there. of my Chargers fandom, mm -hmm. you know? And, like, that even outrules the playoff game against the Colts and, oh. you know. Against Darren's the Jets, Colts. bro. No, no, no. That was the fucking stuff. worst one. We I were in the stands which drinking. One, which uh, Jets one? Uh, White right fucking. Oh, uh, oh, four. Yeah. Oh, four. I always thought Shit, oh and oh nine. No, no, that's the one where Nate Caden missed three. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. one. He only missed oh one in oh four. And I was to the right of that fucking. Goddamn. Never liked Nate Caden. And, and I remember the stadium like waiting in awe to see like if they should cheer. And I'm like, I saw the ball before I saw the goalpost. We miss. Let's get the fuck out of here. Uh, so yeah. Thanks for bringing this down, bro. What the fuck is your problem? <laughs> but that's the point though. Like, that's, that's, the point. Suffer. that's the like sports fan is yeah. suffering. Like, yeah. and that's a soccer thing, right? Like you suffer. Like you got to suffer before you can. And there's a lot of suffering. I, get I don't know. I'm a United fan, dog. All right. 20 times, 20 times, man, United. <laughs> no? All right, fuck you guys. Uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, good luck with the uh, Europa League. Oh, final. my God, dog. Yeah. That tomorrow? That's tomorrow, bro. Oh. That's on uh, Wednesday. Spanish teams always Thursday. fucking take it to us, bro. That's fuck. true. They they always, they, they're our arch nemesis. The whole country. <laughs> Not just one. The whole country, bro. Oh. All right. So bringing you back, you land in San Diego. What's your immediate impression? How does that introduction go? Uh, get here. Love it. I mean, it's just, it's, it's a totally different, you know, I'm growing up in New York with snow. I'm growing up, um, you know, with gray I'm, you know, and you land out here. It's like, dude, this is the land of milk and honey, you know, and, and <laughs> miso is, honey, this is everything that, that like I thought it was in, and more. And, you know, I had, um, I was married. I was married a, a time before this current wife and the two of us had just gotten married and then we moved out here and, 
Uh, we just, we loved everything about it. We lived in the gas lamp. We loved the vibe. It was before Petco Park opened up. We immediately made some friends. We were working with, uh, with the Mighty 1090 at the time. And, you know, just everything about it just was like, it's your speed. It's my speed. Going to Tijuana was like, everything about it was my speed. I didn't think it was, I still don't think it was going to last, but, um, what's not to like, you know, I, I mean, I, I talked to Sean Salisbury. He's like, you're about to land into the greatest place on earth. And I was still of the mindset. It was only going to be a temporary situation, but here I am all these years later, not because I haven't had the opportunity just because I was like, it's going to take a lot. It's going to take yeah. a lot to get me out of here. We live in a space where people vacation. And that's what I yeah. always like. Dude, I always tell people, my wife, I'm like, this, we dream. live here. Yeah. Like people come, people spend life savings yes. to come and visit us Dude, weeks at a time. We're a destination. You know? We are yeah. definitely a destination dream. spot. So it's like, fuck, people ask me, well, when I go on vacation, I always think about, well, I always do this. I'm like, well, this is, doesn't compare to San Diego. Fuck, yeah. fuck this place. <laughs> I do that you know? too. I'm like, could I yeah. live here? My yeah. wife and I do that all the time. Yeah, yeah. Like, would we live could here? we live here? And I'm like, no, fuck, where's Lolita's? <laughs> where, where's fucking Caliente I can go to Caliente in 30 minutes cross come back my parlay tickets all ready I mean, to rock come you on know? 15 minutes relax it's a hard place it's, Sentry, bro. You're it's a hard place like, I understand why people will never ever leave here yeah. and why they would do anything to stay here like yeah. you know yeah. I drive up and down the freeways and I'm like you know, and there are days where you have like a, a real shit day. When you meet San Diego Dodger fans, I feel you. Go ahead. Right. Tell and, me more. You know, <laughs> then you're driving home and you sort of look to the west and you see the ocean. You look to the, you know, look to the, the right. You see the ocean. You look to the left and you see, you know, the foothills or the mountains or yeah. whatever they're called. And, you know, people disagree about that. And you're going to go, it, it like, tranquilo. Like everything just sort of makes sense now. Like I'm okay. The 15, 20 minutes that it took me to get home, I just had a shit day. You're where you need to be. And I'm where I need to be. And then yeah. by the time you get to wherever it is, it's probably not easy to get there, whether you're living by the beach or whether you're living in a neighborhood. Like it's probably not easy to get wherever it is that you're going unless you have compartmentalized work and life. And right. and from that standpoint, like it's like you're just like, dude, like even driving down here today, like I was like, oh fuck, there's a little bit of traffic on the 805. And then I sort of skipped it and found a different route. And I drove into Chula Vista and I was like, God, I could like harmony. Dude, I fucking love this area. Oh. You know? So it was the same. We're taking white people. I mean, if you guys are in the market to, you know, leave North Park, the applicant I I have a I have a plug. So I mean, if you want to come into Chula Vista, we can help you out. So, it's, <laughs> so the first time I ever came here, no joke, this is no bullshit. I swear I'm not just saying this because you just said it, but the first time I ever came here, I don't remember what it was. It was for a soccer match, I'm sure. I maybe a, a World Cup match. But I went home to my wife and I was like, you know where we need to be looking? Yeah, man. Dude, like it's it's got a popping down there. Like it's a got part it of me on. is excited to hear that, and a part of me is like, no, I know you don't want to be down there. I know. There, okay? <laughs> you you, you really don't. You, know, you can stay <laughs> don't in, drive up yeah, the place. Go in North Park or go to East Lake. Leave the West Side to us. You know, I feel like there's a uh, sense of like the West Side pride. It's oh, like oh, no. Right. So Mario Lopez is okay, but Darren Smith is not. Hey, Mario Lopez was from the hood, bro. I'm on it, bro. Come on, dude. He sold out. I'm buying in. You're buying in, baby. No, man. I mean, honestly, Chula Vista is a great place. I said that to my wife. That's a true story. That's awesome. We should look and and because we were looking for for some period of time. Like we own our place in North Park. But I was like, well, you know, let's expand. My wife's like, well, I want some outdoor space, mm -hmm. you know, because we're in a condo. And she's like, I want to, you know, I want to be able to like be outside and be on a patio and all sorts of. So, dude, I think we should look down there. These place got everything that we're looking yeah. for: restaurants, Mexicans, vibe, <laughs> Mexican culture. Well, that's why we live in North Park. Yeah, you know, people will laugh at that, but like, you know, I had a lot of I had a lot of people in my business who said, 
I ain't living there. Once upon a time, North Park didn't have the allure and the shine that it currently has. It wasn't Absolutely. always like, you know, half a block. There was a fucking killer restaurant, killer pub, a brewery. Seven grand. It was, Target. It was, yeah, it was different, bro. Target, yeah. yeah Target. Target, Target was controversial. You want, you want to start some yeah. drama, huh? Shit. Yeah, it is, no, yeah, it is controversial. North, North Park was ghetto as fuck, bro. Yeah. Which is what we liked about it. Like, we sort of liked that vibe because, you know, especially me. Like, my wife, I... I well, you're you know, New Yorker, she, bro. You, you like not. that. <laughs> I like that vibe, yeah. though. Like, I like the culture. I like seeing people who don't look like me. I like seeing like a wide mix of people who go out, who vibe, who have music, who have all that. You know, like that. That to me is what's what it's all about. Yeah. Like, otherwise, what are we? It's boring, what are we bro. Doing it's fucking life? boring. Why do I want to hang out with people who look just like me? Why exactly. do I want? You know, it's like what am I learning in that yeah, situation? Nothing. But I had people like, oh, how come you're not living up in you know Poway yeah. and all this shit? And I was like, dude, I'm not moving up there. Like, I'm moving south. If anything, Poway. You mean north. out east? Go ahead. East County, Valley, like <laughs> Rancho Bernardo. Like, you know, people are like, don't you know what kind of house you can get? And I was like, I don't fucking care. Like, that's yeah. not me. Like, that's just not my vibe, especially for two, you know, for two people like my wife and I who decide we're not going to have kids. We just, you know, we enjoy restaurants. Mm. We enjoy um, street festivals. Like, we, you know, that's that's kind of what we are. Like, we want to go out and we want to park our car and not fucking drive it. Dude, the older I've gotten, that's the same kind of mentality that we have. We, we, we have three little boys, but- we don't spend a lot of money, but when we do, it's like, what do we spend our money on? Like, what yep. the fuck? And we're like, oh shit, we go out to eat a lot. It's a we selection. like we like the experiences yep. of, of like yeah. going out to eat, going out and visiting new spots. You know, it's like we don't we don't buy like new flashy cars, new flashy clothes. You know, like that that all shit is just like you know, it's it's material shit that ultimately you throw away. You know, and I don't care how fucking awesome your your shoes are, how expensive they are. Two years, you're probably gonna toss them. You know, a meal. Is just like a sporting event. It's an experience. It's a memory. It's who are you going with? Who did you share this meal with? You know, it's like our friends, our our family. It's like, and I can draw back to like, for me, my favorite restaurant I'm going on Saturday, small plug, homie, Costa Brava. I love going to Costa Brava. One, because it's a Madrid bar. If you were sitting in the bar, it's it's a Barcelona. If you're sitting in the patio, you know, so it's like one of those little like tapas bars where ah, it's always ever clashing. The servers are all awesome, and they're all like, no, pues hoy vamos a Copa Madrid, a la Madrid, a los blancos. And then it's like, no, cuñado, puro pinche Barça. And I was like, oh damn, you know, and it's awesome. Those are the experience. I've taken my kids to watch the Clásico there, bro. We go in and we, I just have them all in little Ronaldo jerseys. Boom, we're just sitting there watching it. It's awesome. My experiences are that. I don't need a flashy car. I don't need whatever. It's just we need a nice little place where we go eat. Right. That's a memory. It is, man. That's more valuable than whatever resale you're going to get on a car or any of these material things. Like, again, I know I sound like an old midlife crisis fella at 48 years of age, but, like, that's true. Like, I've just sort of realized that's that's... That those are my priorities in life. And that's what North Park provides us because we have street festivals. We close the streets down. We do all sorts of fun stuff, taste the North Park. Yeah, you guys kill it in North Park, man. Yeah, Yeah, and you know, and I like it that not everybody, you know, I don't really want to live in a place that's homogenized, that just everybody looks like me. Like, that's not how I, you know, that's not that. New York is not like that. New York is not like that. You know, for me, it was a proper downshift, Mm -hmm. you know, like, and I don't mean downshift like in a negative way. But you, you know, slowed when, it down. When I moved here, like I didn't want to just, you know, like, and, and, and maybe someday in life, like I'm going to regret uh, never living by the beach. Maybe. I don't know. You know, I don't go in the ocean. So like my wife and I have not been to the beach in forever. So maybe someday I'll turn around. I'll be 70, 80 years old. I'll be like, ah, you know what? You should have lived by the beach. Right. But I, I like I like urban areas. Like, that's what I like about here. It's, you know, it's got a little urban vibe to it. You just know, don't get. Little, don't get too excited. It's just like a little block. <laughs> it's, like, it's, just like, it's like an whole avenue. <laughs> so, but it's, it's the one block that's, you know, yeah. it, it's, it fuels it, you know? So like that, that's what I was like. Like I've just, you know, we're not going to, we're not going to go live in places that 
that don't provide that. You know, yeah. where we got to yeah. drive everywhere. If we can't walk someplace, if we can't bike someplace, we're not going to live there. Yeah, I, I feel that. That 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 calls to me. I feel like it's a magnet here. I had this house, fuck, since in the year two thousand, and we moved to these. East Lake, and we're like, ah, it's not for us. We ultimately spent like ten years there, and then we decided to move back. But it's, it's like beautiful, yeah. That but it's, it, this is me. I don't want to raise my family in like a space where nobody speaks to each other. The neighbors all went into the garage, and that was wrapped. That's all yeah. you saw. Here, it's like we're outside, we're playing in the front yard. Everyone's like, ah, woo woo, like having a good time. You know, this is this is my neighborhood. This is my community. You're more than welcome to purchase here. Thank okay, you. Okay, well, if you find <laughs> me the find me the right spot. That changed in ten minutes, like a second ago. He told me a story. He gave me a fucking his, his background. I was like, you know where you belong here. Tell I me. A, so I got a passport. Right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, done. You win. You win. You need but Santhony. I even talked to my wife because she travels a lot. And she's like, well, how far from the airport is it? You know? So I was like, oh, actually, it's not that much. San Diego. Like, it's good. Everything is like 10 miles, we, 10 minutes apart. We dude. looked here. We looked in IB. And oh, we we're both good spots. Yeah. South Bay is the way. But, Tell me about Philly Billy. How is it working with that crazy yeah, guy? How was it working? You land well, in San Diego. How does that start out? So, you know, I, I arrive and I'm the producer for the Scott and B.R. show. Mm -hmm. That's why I got hired. And, you know, I get out here. Funny story is, too, I come out here and, and whatever my salary was that I negotiated, I get out here and you're like, oh, that's not what we agreed to. I was like, motherfucker, oh. I just moved my new wife out here. Like, I... <sighs> It was, uh, it was, it was a lot less <sighs> at any rate, neither here nor there. So what am I going to do? You know? So I start producing the morning show. I'm not loving it. Um, you know, you go from producing Dan Patrick to, <laughs> yeah. to Scott and <laughs> And I say this, I mean, I'm still tight with Scott and I still respect B Billy Ray, but you know, it's a different experience and, sure. and it's morning radio and morning radio is fucking brutal. I mean, I can tell you. I remember waking up in the middle of the night and thinking, Oh, my alarm went off and I'd get in the car and I would drive somewhere and I'd be like, Oh, it's only one o'clock. Like, oh, you know, like shit. you don't even realize that it's not even the right hour. Morning radios. I, I have so much respect for people who can do that stuff. Yeah. So, um, you know, we get out and, and, uh, Philly Billy was working with a guy named Steve Mason. Mm -hmm. He takes a job in LA and they said, Hey dude, we need a huge favor out of you. We got, can you fill in? Can you work with Philly Billy today? And I was like, yeah, sure. And so did a four hour radio show with him. And then I said, oh, that was really good. That was really good. Like, can you do it again tomorrow? And I was just doing some weekend stuff at the time. I said, yeah, I'll do it again tomorrow. Like, because in our business, you don't ever say no to that. Yeah. Thing. Did it again. And then they tried out a couple of other people. And I said, you fit. Why don't you do it? And, you know, Billy was, I mean, he's, he's amazing. Billy was great. Like, you know, I'm not, you, you I'm guys, not where I'm You guys had a great Billy. dynamic. Yeah, honestly. I was heartbroken when the station decided, you know, that they wanted to move on. Like he, you know, he just, it was the perfect blend of, old here's school. the old guy, here's yeah, the young he guy. Was old school he was fuck, so man. boisterous. And so like, boy, he, was, like he was loud and he's willing to say, hey, I'm going to put on a show today. And mm -hmm. that's not always my personality. Like I'm always, you know, sometimes I'm like, uh, like I don't want to fake it. You know, like Billy would be like out there and he'd be like, I think that Drew Brees is the worst quarterback. Mm -hmm. And like, I don't know. I just don't think he's as good as Philip Rivers. And he'd be like, hey, he's the best, and he's the worst, and he's going to get hurt, and he's <laughs> And, like, you know, I just loved his approach. Like, he really, yeah. he was a showman. You know what I mean? Like, he was much more of a showman than I'm capable of being. But listen, when you announce your show as Philly Billy Warrendale, yeah. like, come on. <laughs> and you've got that persona. Like, he yeah. was just, you know, he was such a great, he's such a great personality. He's such a great showman. Like, and, you know, and, and like, he introduced me to everybody along the way. I don't know that it worked for him early on. You know, there were some, you know, some rough patches there where maybe it could have gone in a different direction. But the station management, for whatever reason, believed in, in what it was that I was doing. And we stuck through it. And, you know, we turned it into a huge success. Hell yeah. And, you know, and, and, 
Uh, so much of that was due to Philly Billy. You know, like guys like, I will say, you know, for a guy like me who grew up someplace else, who doesn't have the memories of going to Qualcomm Stadium as a kid, it was super important for me to surround myself with people who had did, yeah. San Diego experiences. And that started with Philly Billy and it went to Tim Flannery and it went to Randy Jones and it went to Marty Caswell and it went to Jordan Carruth. What a fucking lineup, bro. Look at That's that. All like, the people that you surrounded with. Those people, like if not for them, you know, then I'm just, you know, then all I am is an outsider and I'm still an outsider and I accept that. I understand. Like I, I grew you up. You still with, feel like an outsider, honestly? I do. I, I mean, only because I don't, you know, I mean, I think I've earned after 20 years, for I sure. feel like I've, I've, you know, earned um a certain level, but like there are certain things that I can, you know, I don't know what it feels like to grow up as a kid and have a parent bring me to the stadium. Jordan knows that. Marty knows that. Um, you know, Tim, I, 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 Tim Flannery knew that as a baseball player on a different level. Like he knew what it was like, you know, and then like, you know, for those guys, like Tim Flannery and Randy Jones have put their arms around me when we were doing the BP show back in the day, the Miller oh, Light that was, that was, yeah, BP show. You know, like for those guys <laughs> to put their arms around me, I think was, you know, Philly Billy helped get me to that point. And I think that that was really the turning point for me. So like, do I feel like an outsider? I, I mean, I, I mean, I just think it's, I don't, I, yeah, I don't think there's any other way to say it. You know, that like, I just don't, you know, I don't have those 98, 84 experiences. I don't have that 94 charger experience. Yeah. You know, I know what it was like to be someplace else, but I, I, and I've, and I've always said that, like, and I've always told our listeners, like, I, I, I don't blame, I don't think, I'm not trying to, to be a, a, a poser here. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not trying to pretend like I knew what it was like to be a Charger fan as a kid. Cause I don't, right. I don't want to pretend like I know what it's like to be a Padre fan pre 2003, because I don't. And, and like, that's an important thing for, for me to convey to the audience, because I don't ever want them. I know what it would be like for, for young Darren Smith. To listen, third person there, for me to listen to Ricky somebody Henderson on, over here, bro. For me to listen to somebody <laughs> on radio and say like, you know what, you weren't there, like you don't understand that, you don't understand what it was like in '94 with the Knicks, right? Like, because that's my passion. Like me, my, my passion is the Knicks, right? Like the one team from New York that I grew. Congratulations, up right now, by the way. Do your Forcey, thing, brother. Do your like, thing. Do your like thing. Good defense. Do We're solid. Thing. We're good. Mm. I like the mm. team. It comes together. Mm. At any rate, we should take down the Hawks. Randall. But Clippers, Knicks. I like that. I Go like ahead. where you're going with okay. it. I'll Go take ahead. it. I'll, I'll sign up right now. But like, I, you know, I, I would know what it's like to be a listener and be like, no, nah, no, nah, dude. Like, you don't know what that's like. So I never wanted to pretend like, I, you know, I didn't. I just wanted to to make the best, you know, I just wanted to be the best version of me. Correct. And be honest about who I was. I didn't want to start saying things like, well, other radio hosts coming to this town are like, well, our team and us. And then they go someplace else. And you're like, no. What happened to this? But to an extent, you came in at a really good place for San Diego because if you're arriving in 2003, 2004, Echo Park opens up. Boom. The Chargers really built themselves into that powerhouse and... You know, whatever they fail to do is one. Rivers, thing. Tomlinson, Gates, Vincent Jackson, Sean Merriman, Sean Phillips, all the squad. They were all fucking bangers. Eleven nothing, pro bowlers on the team. Nothing. Padres postseason, 0506. Cardinals. 07, lost. So, so like Cardinals. Never touch on play. Go ahead. Yeah. Rockies. Man, fucking <laughs> holiday. Okay. For it's worth it's worth. Was like, that that game? I watched that game from home oh. and I threw my fucking hat at the TV, dude. Oh. I was like, that's all you did. Yeah. yeah. I'm probably, I'm pretty sure I didn't. I was watching it naked. I was only wearing a hat. I broke my phone. Yeah. <laughs> the most memorable clubhouse post game clubhouse clubhouse I've ever been in. Yeah. I've been in world series losing clubhouses. I've never been in a clubhouse, but hurt like that one. Yeah. Seven Trevor Hoffman, just 
So what, what was that like? Because again, like you're saying that you're not a homebody the way that people in San Diego are, but but you've been at some of the most extent. relevant yeah, experiences. Yeah. As like a, you came, you yeah. came in at the hot spot for us. Yep. You came in when Peco Park was built, when it was introduced. You were indoctrinated into that. You were indoctrinated into like the best San Diego Chargers team since the the ninety four Super Bowl team. So yeah, and Cholos went into right. Yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> Still I still have that jersey with my star. Bing. Yeah, it definitely helped. I mean, if I came in 10 years later and, you know, the Chargers were packing their bags, like the scumbags they are, and if the Padres are in the middle of this, who knows what they are, it would be a completely different story. Who right. knows, right? Because sports talk radio definitely was on the decline at that point. There was nothing we could really do about it. But, you know, right time, right place, right? You put yourself in a position. Here's a little uh, bit of advice. Put yourself in a position to be lucky. I got lucky. I came here at the right time. I came here at a time. I moved downtown when Petco Park wasn't open. So I got to experience the final year of Qualcomm Stadium, the opening year of Petco Park. And then all of a sudden, here come the Chargers. And, you know, here comes... From a talk radio standpoint, the whole Drew Brees, Philip Rivers shit, like that was every that was fucking, fucking day amazing. was an awesome yeah. show, bro. Talk about Philly Billy, like like he and I, like, and this was not by design. People think we made this up. That our morning show, Scott and Br, were Drew, pro Drew Brees, and we were pro Philip Rivers. Like that's just the way it worked. <laughs> right. Like that's just like a, a that was a city you, that was a city divided legitimately. That Holy was a city divided. Like so that was a bad. very sincere back and forth between, and like it got to the point where like people couldn't turn off. Our station because they wanted to hear what those guys had to say about Breeze and why mm-hmm. you should keep Breeze. Well, Scott VR said this in the morning. Here we are, yeah. Pearl Rivers, and we're like, yeah. nope, time. And I still to this day, I mean, I know Drew Breeze had a great career and congratulations to him, but like, I still think that was the easiest decision the Chargers ever made. Yeah. Dude's shoulder was all fucked oh, up. It was God. Like a bowl of I was at that on. game and I remember like leaving the stadium in tears going, that's it for Drew Breeze. That's it. I yeah. was, that was the yeah. one, two, I, I went to two Charger games where I stood on the field for the entire game. That was the second one. Oof. And he walked right past me, that shot where his arm is out like this, where he's carrying a parrot on his arm. And he walked <laughs> right past me. I was like, dude, this guy is over. done. <laughs> yeah. like, he is finished. Yeah. But it was a great time. I mean, I, I could tell you, honestly, even all these years later, I don't know that I've ever had more fun doing radio than we had doing it in the mid 2000s. And, and, and I'm hoping that the Padres yeah. provide us like with that opportunity, yeah. you know, and like, I'm They're really, trying. really bullish on like layout and loyal and hoping that this turns into something in a couple of years. So like, I, I, I believe in this city. I believe that this city is ready to turn the page and move on from the fucking chargers. And this is a Padre town. Now yeah. we've got room for San Diego state. We've got room for loyal. Hopefully we've got room for Cholos. Like, I hope, you know, I, I, I believe like we're, we're sort of past the mourning period of the chargers leaving. Mm-hmm. like, I look forward to, I, I keep coming back. Like I came back to, to get back into that type of San Diego city Sorry. County mind space where like, that's what we're all about. Cause I know what it was like. And when people shit all over San Diego and I've had a lot of friends of mine who don't live here, who I worked with, who I grew up with, who are like, eh, but that city, not really good sports town. Right. And I go, no, 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 no. Motherfucker. Let me tell you what it was like. Mm-hmm. Cause that night where Darren Sproles walked off the Indianapolis Colts. Oh, you top, read, you jumped right into my head. I was like, that's the, the first thing I remembered when you were talking. One of the top right two or three places, oh. like top two or three sports <laughs> moments that I've ever been. And that's years of char- oh, That's years oh, of ESPN, Jesus. Super Bowls, World Series, NBA Finals, mm, National mm, Championship games, what Final a Fours. fucking game, dude. That is up there in my top two or three. Game. Oh man, and we were almost, in the press box and like that whole fucking press box. I was going to say, yeah, to the point where we're like, are we having an earthquake or what? I know what it's like to be at a house party with like. Really great friends, homies, family watching that, you know, drinking, whatever. Ah, an eruption. 
You were like in the belly yeah, of dude. everything, man. Yeah. You were with professionals next to you. I was at you that know? game until the third quarter. Yeah, and then what happened? You got arrested? Got the hippo? Yep. You got arrested? Did you? Really? <laughs> you dumbass. I, What'd you do? <laughs> it wasn't my fault. It never was. <laughs> it never was my fault either. Anytime I got arrested, it was never, never my fault. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. <laughs> but I got to hear the end on the radio, Josh Lewin calling it and the stadium going crazy, but... Yeah, I that wish. was an earthquake that night. That was oh, that incredible. was one of the top two or three I mean, things I've ever seen in my life. You, you Fuck yeah, dog! You couldn't hear yourself like at the beginning when he returned that kick. I was like, boom, this is it. Yeah, this is it. Michael Turner. I was like, oh my god, this the dude is a burner. Yeah, burner. what a shame that we lost all of that in a span of a fucking Spanos. It was yeah. just gone. Yeah, boom, for no reason. But Done. It, He's getting what they—they're getting what they deserve. I'm assuming. From somebody who knows in the professional world of sports, them in LA not being a square peg in a round hole, not fitting, completely being ostracized by the fans and, and, and the NFL community up there. I almost feel like that's, you know, that's justice. That's poetic justice. Yeah. You, that's what you get. I mean, I, I've just stopped caring. Yeah. You know, like I'm just over the NFL. Hell yeah. And, you know, for years. So wait, you don't bet on it? Honestly, you, I watch fantasy. Okay. I mean, only because I, you know, it gives me a reason to sit there and, and you know, actually engage and okay. watch Red sure. Zone and all that sort of stuff. But like, you know, for people who are like, well, I got to find a new team to root for. I'm like, nah, dude, mm-hmm. like I'm over it. Fuck the NFL. Fuck the NFL and what they did to this city. Yeah. Like it should never be forgiven in my opinion. And, you know, you try Even to Even if they bring them back? I don't think they're going to bring them back, yeah. but. You know, if some if we get to that point at some point down the road, like okay, but I I don't see it. And for me, it's like, hey, we got to talk about it. Like the whole Aaron Rodgers stuff is kind of interesting, but yeah, I'm not into the draft. I'm not into the schedule. Release. Isn't that crazy? How I'm into the games. We turned the page so quickly on that shit. Dude. I don't know though. Do you think everybody has? Like, I have. I can only speak I, for I myself. Yeah, 50-50. I have. I feel like there's a lot of people, and and I always, you know, I don't want to be judgmental because nobody likes a judgmental asshole in life, even on talk radio. But like, I always want to be like, dude. Jim Rome would disagree. Civic pride, like, like, how is it that like, like I really believe like civic pride in San Diego should trump and should should you know be the priority over. You know, whatever the fuck, like feeling you get rooting for an NFL team. Mm-hmm. I feel but you. That's just me. No, I mean, that's the truth. You know, I don't give a fuck if you, the Chargers and their new killer quarterback. No, it says Los Angeles. Like that's, rooting for yeah, Amazon. Yeah, that's you not. You know me. what I mean? Yeah. Like it's, or it's like rooting for Anheuser yeah, Bush instead yeah. of three punk. Yeah, it's like, it's like, why would you, like, I don't get it. Like, and, and I know, like, a second division soccer team or the, you know, the, um, uh, the goals and, you know, all this sort of stuff in the soccer. Yep. It's like, I understand all that stuff is not. NFL, but like it's San Diego, it's ours, but it's San Diego and it's ours and it's only going to be what we make of it. So So from that standpoint, like I'm all about like what's local, like what I live in a a community that's got a lot of local places where we are here today. It's, it's a place that prides itself on local. I don't see a lot of chains. I don't, you know what I mean? So like from that standpoint, and a lot of this came from the pandemic too, where I was like, stop Amazon, like support local. Sure. Like I'm just all like the NFL is a retail product. It's Amazon. Like it's, it's not, you know, it's not ours. I'm not saying people shouldn't enjoy it. I'm not encouraging everybody to go out and do other shit during the day on Sunday. But like, <laughs> although support, we did, <laughs> but support local. If you're supporting three punk ale, like you should support a local product. And and yep. like, we've got local sports here and it might not be at the top of the, the food chain, but it's ours, but mother it's ours. Mm-hmm. And we're, it is what we make of it. So a lot of that was the transition, like, 
Damn, will you get into that fucking voice? And I feel like you just want to take it to the next. A lot of that was a segue into. But let's be honest. Like when you went into your own radio show, how was that? Like, was there nerves? Was there fear? Like, how did you do that? Yeah, I didn't want to do it. <laughs> I, mean, I didn't think I'm an only child, so I know how to talk and I know how to, you know, carry on conversations with nobody, but I didn't want to do anything. I didn't, I mean, I still to this day, I don't want to do solo show. You know, like, I mean, like, it's not something that I, you know, I, I didn't want to just sit there and do monologues. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I didn't want to sit there and, and have takes and so nothing against Rome. Rome's a legend. He's a oh, for sure. Famer. Oh, for sure. I just didn't want to do that kind of radio. That's all. And, yeah. you know, I wasn't a caller driven show, so I didn't really want to do that. So it was a matter of, well, what are you going to do that's going to sound different than everybody else? And it was build an ensemble cast and build it around Marty, build it around Jordan. That wasn't an accident that the three of us ended up together. That was mostly by design. So, you know, that was that was how can we sound different? Because you know, we can sound like every other show around here, or we can try to do something that's a little bit different, create something that's mostly ours and our own and that's unique. And and you know, I know for it's not for everybody, but you know, I, I'd like to you drink a lot of whiskey, Darren. Thank you. I'd like, to, <laughs> I'd like to think that you know what we carved out was was unique, and you know I don't know that I we, miss it truly. Yeah, I do too. I, I I thoroughly miss it. Like I said, my experiences when I worked in City Heights in a different career was you guys at twelve when I snuck out of my office and I went into my car and I just said salud compita salud a la Madrid. <laughs> hey, oh. uh, listening to you guys, almost sitting there. Oh, why you gotta be an asshole, Doug? <laughs> Sorry, I know I'm in your spot. Jesus Christ! <laughs> was listening to you guys. Yeah, you know, like honestly, Jordan, Marty, you, the callers, the pieces, the segments, everything, man. I was like, oh, that I that was my time. You know, like that was my my little little slot where I went into my car and I listened to you guys in the office. And but when I was at in the car, it was me eating lunch, just <laughs> you know, laughing like a dumbass in, in in my car in the parking lot where nobody else is around. And I'm like, oh, fool, this, these guys are like my a little imaginary extended family that I get. And now that I've gotten to meet, you know, like Jordan and yourself, I'm like, oh, this is fuck, this is awesome. These are things that I that I enjoy. I miss that time. I guess all I'm trying to say is like that. Sad. Yeah, I mean, it's still yes. good. Like, you got to, you know, we still have to carry on. And, like, I, I like our show now. Yeah. But it's, you know, yeah. when, when you hit a certain stride, like what we hit at 1090, you sort of always are wondering, like, am I ever am I ever going to hit this stride again? Yeah. You know, and, and it's not for lack of effort. It's just a, it's a different game. You know, it's a different, it's a different time. Um, you know, I like what we're doing. I like where we're going, but you know, you just don't pick up and, and replace a guy like a Jordan Carruth. Yeah. You just don't do something like that. And I love Jim, uh, Jim Russell, in case anybody <laughs> does or doesn't. He's fun. I love Jim, like, and, and, you know, I trust Jim. Like I trust Jim a lot. Like it takes me a long time to trust people. I've got like natural trust issues and I trust Jim, you know, and that's the best thing that I could say for him. It took me a little while and like, I knew Jordan, you know, I knew when he came on board, like he was the right guy. It took Marty a little while to get used to him. And it took him a little <laughs> while to get used to Marty. And those are unique personalities. But, you know, will we ever, will we ever apex the way we did when it was all of us? Well, I don't know. Maybe that's the challenge, right? That, like, I mean, that's a great challenge to strive to. Yeah, trying to get back to it. But sure. it's going to be different. You know, it's going to be, it's going to be different. And our audience, you know, I think our audience is, has really grown to, to uh, embrace Jim and, you know, appreciate him for what he is. But, Yep. You got to get past the point of thinking that he's going to be Jordan because yeah. nobody's ever going to be It's a fun, epic no. show too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, these are things, that, and it's weird because like, 
I thought I got away from like radio shows and everything, but I can't, bro. Like I, I, yep. I was telling Jordan, I've always listened to AM radio. Yep. I've always been a part of that, 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 that dynamic. I love the political. I love the, the, the sports. Those are the two things. Ultimately, sports led me into the politics. Now you do a politics show. And like I was mentioning, I listen to like Michael Savage and fucking Rush Limbaugh and now Ben Shapiro and all of these things. I don't ever really see eye to eye with anything they're saying. It's just funny and interesting to see how people live their lives and how they choose to build a platform about their views. I'm like, oh, wow, that's weird. You know, like that, it's, that's strange that you see things that way. But yeah. it's interesting because I'm like, fuck, we live in a you, fucked you up place. And, you and Jack Cronin? Yeah. yeah. You know Everybody, what I mean? I'm Jack Cronin. There it is. Radio but, 600. The Coco. There it is. I'll say this. Without tooting your horn, without like, <laughs> without fail in this industry, you are one of the best, if not the best, at asking questions in interviews. You come up with the most poignant, most poised questions, and you get people to dive into stuff. Like, where did that develop? Unintimidated like, yeah. when you ask questions. Yeah. Like, I feel like some of the questions you ask will, I'd be like, fuck, dog. <laughs> well, A, A, thank you. B, uh, Dan Patrick. You know, that was, that was working with Dan for years, is Dan tells you, he's like, the, the best, the number one uh, piece of advice that he ever gave was, if you want to be a good interviewer, listen. And listen, and, and, you know, I hear it all the time, too, when, when others, you know, you don't need to uh, prove why you're on the radio. You don't need to say, like, so, Steve, I know you own a brewery. I know that, you know, you're a big Padre fan. So tell me, you know, like, yeah, the audience knows that, too. Like, just get, me something to, it. Just yeah. get to it. Just get to it. Like, what's your philosophy about making beer? Mm. You know, just, just like, less of me, more of you is going to be a good thing if I'm interviewing you. Or if I'm saying, hey, Caesar, tell me a little bit about, like, those socks. You know, tell me, like, how did you get... <laughs> For real, Doc. I know that you're wearing socks and all that sort of stuff. So, like, just get to it, you know? And, like, so much of that comes from Dan. And some of it, like, you know, like, Caesar, like it, 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 you do have to be fearless. Because, you know, you do realize that, you know, you're asking questions that your audience wants to hear. You know, so you can't really be worried about it. You yeah. know, you can't really spend a bunch of time worrying that, you know, who is it? Chris Paddock is going to feel a certain way about the Sheriff. question you ask or, you know, AJ Preller is going to like, you know, these guys sign up for this sort of stuff. That's what they get themselves into. Even in a market like this, where it's not exactly the most aggressive place on a planet where you got a lot of. But I feel that's how you separated yourself, that, that yeah. you were always unafraid to ask those questions that but bro, let me tell you man it's changing like it yeah. is changing like i will tell you there's uh there, there is a different standard in- are we in a more abrasive community when it comes to these guys co- yeah I, I would say we're less abrasive less okay we're, we're much mm-hmm. more uh supportive we're much more uh um demands you know. of the employer well you know i think what happened is some of these teams realized that you know they can just funnel a lot of their stuff over to their dot com, right? So, you know, then all of a sudden you get this white glove treatment and and you know, you sort of have to cater to the teams and yeah. it's not as confrontational, right? We were talking about AC Philly Billy earlier. Um yeah. I mean they've they've you know they like they don't have to you know they they don't have to subject themselves to this. They don't need us as much as they used to. You know, they used to need us to, to communicate with fans and now all of a sudden they have their own websites and social media channels. So why would I expose a general manager or a player to somebody who might ask him difficult questions when I can just send them over here Direct and give them, them the, to the yeah. yeah, it's very true. Man. It is true. I mean, the game has changed. And I'm not saying, by the way, that I'm above doing that at some point. <laughs> you know, if some team ever wanted to hire me, I'm not saying that I would never do it. I'm just saying it's not journalism. And I think sometimes, and, and I mean this respectfully, I don't know that everybody out there has the time nor the inclination to realize 
what the difference is between a, like an actual journalist and an independent member of the media and somebody who's working for a flagship or somebody who's working yep, for true. Uh, dot com yeah. or somebody who's a paid employee of the team. Of the itself. team, of the squad. You know, I, I mean, I've done my show and I've said my stuff about the Padres over the years and I've got a much better relationship um, today than I did even a year ago. Really? Nice. So I'll let, I'll let everybody else out there figure out who is, you know, and, and it's not because I changed anything. It's because they changed things. But um, I've had Padre employees text me and go, dude, I wish I could say the things that you're saying. Yeah. And you kind of go, hmm. but that's the state of affairs. You know, that's what happens yeah. when you sign up, when you're working, when you're a team broadcaster or you're working for the team website or you've you're got parameters at that the, point, man. You know, you do because yeah. these partnerships, you know, Don't nobody sway. wants to lose them. And, and, you know, we all got to put food on our table. And Every now and then I'll catch one of their podcasts and, and, and see them like, they want to say some shit when they're on the video podcast. And I'm like, oh, come on, say it, bro. Say it. You know you want to say it, but they yeah. don't. I mean, you can't say the kind of things I've said about ownership. No, you can't Hell say the kind of no. things that I've said about the CEOs. Yeah. You know, dude, like, listen, like, not, and I'm not suggesting that everybody needs to go through this, but, you know, not everybody, you know, I mean, I've been blackballed by the organization. Like, they flat out, like, refuse to put anybody on our show. 100%. And everybody knows it. And people from the team told me about it. But, you know, I'm doing that because that's my job. Like, that's what my job is. And, you know, I, I do hate that that standard exists, that people are fearful of finding. But that's a sign of good journalistic intention, bro. I mean, you're doing exactly. You're, you're, you're staying true to your course, your, your profession. Exactly. That's the way I know how to do this. Yes. The it's right not way. For everybody. Yeah. But it's not for everybody. You I know, feel like that's the New York side of you, bro. That's a new, yeah, the East Coast be. side of you. You know, I mean, out. and that's also demanding that, you know, like. You know, we we want a little bit more here. Yeah. You can't just pull the wool over everybody's eyes. Not anymore. And then there's still a lot of wool being pulled over. And for me, I mean, I'm I'm the outside looking in. You know, I'm not in, I'm not in your world as much as I would love to be in what you guys do. I'm on the outside looking in. And it's like when it comes to any injury reports or anything like that, it's like I feel like the you know, the people involved with the Padres are always pulling like just a little bit, not giving you anything, just giving you enough to know he'll giving be back soon. Shield. This is what's going on. And then I'm like, what the fuck, bro? And then all of a sudden, oh, Tommy John surgery is like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We went from A to Z in a matter of like two days. What happened? Yeah. He's like, yeah. more, pa more power to you, dude. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's just a changing landscape. And like I said, by the way, if anybody from the Padres is listening and they want to hire me, no. <laughs> I, I mean, I wouldn't rule it out. I mean, I work for a team, you know, I work for, for San Diego loyal. So I know somebody from the Padres who listens. Yeah. Peter's brother, dog. Yeah. Tom? yeah. Does Tom? Yeah. We got to connect with uh, one of the guys on the show and he's Tom he's, Seidler. Yeah. So let me tell you yeah. something about Peter Seidler. So Peter Seiler's wide. Uh, if wider. you want to get back on the Padres, you better watch your mouth. This is an important part. point though. So, you know, Peter Seidler, the first time I met him, I met him on the field of Pekka park. And uh, remember Ron Roberts, the county yep. supervisor. Yep. So he introduced us. He's like, Oh, Peter Seidler wants to meet you. So I was like, Ron Roberts introducing me to Peter Seidler. Like what, who the fuck am I? And he's like, Hey, I just want to say uh, you're critical. You're hard on us, but you're fair. And that's all we ever Boom. ask of you in life. Hell yeah. And when he said that, it was like, oh. Epiphany time. A little exactly. <laughs> because you know there what? There's some other owners. Don't feel that way. Intimidated, bro. And they put you on that list. Yeah. And they make sure that people don't are not allowed to go on your show. And they carry a grudge. And they badmouth you behind closed doors. And Peter Seiler and his brother, Tom, I'm assuming, they're not those people. Good. Others around here that I've worked in the same market as? <laughs> Not the case. Really? And that, and it all gets back to me. Ugh. 
But you're Darren Smith. Why wouldn't it? Yeah, because one of them maybe has the same name as the uh, BC Boys guys, you know? Take it easy, bro. Yeah. Relax. <laughs> <laughs> We're trying, to, we're trying to mend bridges. You're over here, fucking, oh. just shedding, setting oh, shit on I, fire, bro. Yeah, I burned it down on the way out, man. Oh, I think man. that I think everybody's in a better place today. Good, I, yeah. I'm happy to be. You know, and I mean, I, I, as a fan, and I think fans <laughs> should be happy. Yeah, about, because fans shouldn't want some thin-skinned organization. Oh, no, bro, just, you know, starts blackballing the, popular radio. The shows real either. fans in San Diego will actually talk shit. They'll tell like yeah. it is. Like we're not always fucking impressed with everything that's happening. We get upset with some of the decisions and. That's the way real we have to voice our We've got choices. Yeah. Like we've got other things we can do too. You know, like San Diego is a plethora of options, bro. I feel like that's why we always get shit on. Oh, well, your city doesn't support your design, bro. We've got fucking culture. We've got food. We've got things going on. We can go to, we can go surfing in the morning and snowboarding in the afternoon. 44 breweries now. We have. You know, like what, what real we real have. talk, where can you go surfing in six in the morning and then snowboarding at noon and then come back home and have fucking burrito, Kelly burritos at 5 p.m.? It's it's a crazy, it's a crazy community yep. we live in. We have too many options. We're a transplant city. We're a military town. So we have people from all over the world, all over the nation, rather, that come here and live here. It's going to be very difficult for the Padres. Not anymore. Not anymore. I mean, I went today for the day game and uh, what happened? Christ. Uh, Dude, my son got to see Fernando Tatis hit a fucking bomb, bro. Oh, An absolute man. bomb. And he's, he's three years old, but he likes Fernando Tatis. And he's like, daddy, look how he's dancing at third base. I was like, yeah, boy. Like a little stutter stuff. I was like, he pays attention. He's yeah. all about I'm it. I'm like, this, to me, this is what, that's what it's all about, yeah. bro. I mean, what happened you know? the last time? What did I tell you? The last time that when the Padres took over first place from the Dodgers, Maybe my ex-wife is a Dodgers fan, and what did what did my daughter say? Daddy, are you getting arrested again? No, no, no. no. <laughs> that was before. She said, "Batis is our king." Boom, son. See, it's crazy, man. I, I love raising boys Batis in this es, era. Es, uh, let me in español. Batis says, "Nosotros no rey." I know it's me rey. It's me rey. Batis is nuestro rey. Yeah, el rey de mil coronas. I was thought I, I was hoping we were going to do this all in español. Oh, oh, all right, cool. Okay, we can, uh, um, dude, no. Darren, por favor, explícame tú la rutina cuando vas a Estadio Caliente a ver el partido de los Cholos. Un viernes. So, ¿A, qué, ¿A qué horas van y a qué horas regresan? So, si es que regresan. What is my routine when Cholos are playing at home? Yeah. So, yeah I can understand if I don't yeah, I would say that one of the biggest regrets I had when 1090 went under is that I didn't go like do some super immersive Spanish language class. So like, I'm almost embarrassed that I don't speak better Spanish by this point. But you understand it, obviously. I do. Yeah, That's yeah, all that matters. Well. If yeah, you can understand, I go drive down to the border. I think you hold your own, my yeah. God. Well, especially after a couple of tequilas. Boom. So, We're all Mexican after a few tequilas, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> so we would drive down to the border. We would walk across. We would hop in an Uber. We would say, hey, hasta el caliente, por favor. And then he would take us over there. We'd go get some tacos, a paloma at the track. Ooh, we'd make a couple of wagers. We would go inside. Fucking yeah, it was a bit, and That's then a gentleman we, right there, bro. That was us. That's what I want to be like, right, right then, there, bro. And then don't ask me what happened afterwards. Does it rhyme with HK? Boom. <laughs> <laughs> you nasty mother. What are you talking about? I would go see uh, the original Caesar salad beans. Yeah, all right. Because I'm all about nutrition. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I would go to- Fine cuisine. Yes. And then uh, how far a walk was that? Oh, anyway, man. but any, you know, just to watch that whole experience, to watch the whole Caesar salad. Yeah, that was- that was That's awesome. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Bro, it's- uh, And it would be- uh, We would we would model- our Friday, because before, you know, it was Friday nights, you know, and, and it was hard. So we would take days off from work. Right. Me and my partners that would go and watch the matches, we'd be like, bro, we can't fucking work. Cholos are playing Chivas. You know, Cholos are playing Cruz Azul. 
So these were like, you know, like the, the, the beginning of, of, of like the movement. We had just won the fucking title, dog. Yeah. So everybody was hype. Everybody had a Cholos jersey. Everybody was a fucking fan, you know? So we would go down there and watch the matches. And yeah, we would go down there and, and list, I would listen to your show and be like, all right, this is what Darren and Jordan are doing. They're going here. They're going there. They're doing this. They're doing that. Let's do something similar. So we would go, we would get picked up. We would, we would park our fucking car at the border and, and walk across. And right when we got across the border, we would go straight to the Caliente, drop some bets, tan, 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 go to Plaza Amigo, get some food. Maybe, maybe boleros. I don't know. And then we would get some more food, hang out. Then we would take our taxi and then go straight to Caliente. We would go to Calimax across the street, get a couple kawamas. No, unknowingly realizing we don't need fucking beer from Calimax to come across but and join when, the gigantic but party. When you did what happened, bro? When we go over there, we'd come. It was it was just a fucking Los party, tecates. bro. Bro, we would get kawamas, carta blancas, kawamas, fucking tecate. But when we'd get to the parking lot. You'd get like a dollar for a huge ass 40 ounce cup, dog. And it was like, dude, this is a party. There was musica, there was banda, there was norteño, traca traca, people listening, having a good time. Mexican, black, white, Asians, people from the US, bro. Yeah. Crossing over to Tijuas. I mean, I didn't Yeah, you, dude. Tell us. Dude, <laughs> so, so just dude, going funny, over to the party. Funny you say that. So one night, uh, they're playing uh, Champions League. Uh, Hold on. The views expressed by the guests on our show do not necessarily represent Emo Brown. Go ahead. <laughs> so they're playing uh, CONCACAF Champions League, right? And the LA Galaxy is down there. And LA Ooh, Galaxy at this time that. has Landon Donovan. I remember that. I remember that. Yeah. And so Jordan and I go down. And like, you know, we're pretty, everybody knows us as, as uh, Club Tijuana. Uh, supporters so, so you right. know we're about it like we love it we're going down there to cover it and we're going down there just to have a blast and so we do the whole shooting match we go across the border we hop in a taxi we take it to Estadio Caliente we're in the parking lot we walk across and some dude's like go back to LA go back to LA white boy hey Guero go back to LA you know Landon Donovan going down tonight and we're like Jordan and I are walking through we're like I look at him and he looks at me and we're like yeah, like we're like yeah, fuck yeah. We're like yeah, we're here for Glumpty Water. Like, were you not else? wearing Cholos jerseys? We were, well, I probably had a scarf on, but you know they saw two. Uh, two Tell you know, me two you're from North guys. Park without telling me you're from North Park, <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> two gringos walking through, and they're like, "Land Donovan going down tonight." We're like, like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah I hope so." Yeah, go Corona. Yeah, 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 dude, those were the eras. Go oh, Greg Garza. Greg like, Garza, dude, that's when we had all of the under twenty one U.S. Yeah. national team on the squad. Exactly, oh, and uh, Alejandro and Paul Ario. You know, oh, from a U.S. Yeah, men's national yeah. team standpoint, like in, you know Fernando Arce and Oof. all of this, and so like we were like, yeah, what? like we're here, and all of a sudden, think about that. This dude's face, he's experience. Like, this dude's like, he looks at, it, he's like, oh shit, like I wasn't, pre- I was prepared for a lot of answers. Yeah. I wasn't prepared for, yeah, fuck LA Galaxy. Yeah. You know? <laughs> hey, Guero, come with us. <laughs> like, hey, okay, Guero, come over here, and you know, have a cerveza. And like that was the best part was you know was was that sort of people going oh shit like they're down here from San Diego yeah or people who would listen to us on the radio and go oh shit like we didn't think you actually were gonna come yeah. we just talked a bit there was a there was a uh, in my group there was people that were like that they're like fool you really think they go down there it's like yeah they every s- fucking game they say they do it's like have you ever seen them down there and I was like yeah I because I saw you guys and I, I didn't know you guys and I was like oh shit. Yeah, that's Darren Smith. I miss it. I, like, I do that's miss Darren it a lot. fucking Smith. I miss it going down there. I, I get the Gennaro recount, and you never know what that's going to go like. I took him down. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know. I, how does he? How, how does he? He goes. He's part of our little crew now. He hangs out with a bunch of Mexicans on the weekend I and, heard, it, and bike rides. And he and cycles with us, and we just drink our asses off, and we have a good time. How does he? How does he handle himself down south? 
Uh, it was all right. It's like any of us on our first time. Like any of us on our first time, you sort of, you know, somebody plants a seed in your mind. You're like, oh, well, be careful while you're down in Mexico. You might lose a kidney. Uh, you know, uh, be careful. You might get kidnapped by a cartel. I always tell the story. So I took my wife down there for the first time. I've been down a bunch. Jordan had been down a bunch. We used to go down when, when you know, Cholo's, um, when their press box was just a little tiny trailer. No bigger right, than right. the room that we're recording in right now. And then, you know, a couple of, you know, weeks, months later, whatever, I took my wife. I'm like, oh, yeah, no, no, we should go. And she loves Mexico. So we go down and she tells her parents and her parents live in some part of the part of the country. Like, what do you mean you're going to Tijuana? I can't believe it. Oh, you know, make sure you call me all this sort of shit. The dad, go to the donkey show. (laughs) (laughs) So we go down, like we have the best time. You know, we go down, we go get tacos, we get, you know, tequila, severe, like the whole shooting. We're just having an amazing time. And we get back and, you know, we, we go back to the border and we're taking a taxi from the border. And as we're going back to our house in North Park, we're like two blocks from our house. All of a sudden, we all we see is cop cars in the street on University Avenue in North Park. And, you know, a taxi driver, or Uber driver, whatever it was, he pulls up and he's like, oh, what's the deal? And the guy's like, ah, oh, there's a shooting over here. So, like, I always told, like, I yeah. tell everybody who will listen to that story, like, because people go, oh, man, I can't believe you're going down to Tijuana. I can't believe you're going out of Mexico. Like. Bro, I was two fucking blocks from my house and we got diverted like several miles out of our way because there was a shooting two blocks from our house. So you tell me like what we're supposed to be worried about and tell me like where and where we're not supposed to go. Because we went down to Tijuana and everybody worried and, and, you know, people were like, oh, I can't believe you're going to bring your wife and is she going to wear her jewelry? And then, like two blocks from our house, mm-hmm. we ended up. Bro, in and I was like, that to me was like the perfect. It's not Mexico situation. City, fool. It's not Sao Paulo. It's not Rio de Janeiro. You know, it's like it's Tijuas, bro. Tijuas is Tijuas. Tijuas is that it's a it's it's trouble if you look for it. Exactly, it, it, it's trouble if you're in that you area. It. Yeah, you'll it'll find you if you're really like putting it out there. Yeah. But it's like it's Tijuana, bro. It's still a border town, so it will be dangerous. But you're going to Estadio Caliente to watch a Cholos match with your wife to have a good time and enjoy yourself. Anybody going to these things and doing these things are doing the exact same fucking thing and expect the same result to have a good time. Bro, you probably hung out with a bunch of dudes from Tijuas and, and, and had tequilas and beers in the parking lot. That's fucking normal. I mean, it, it, you got great food. You got great ambiance. You got great people. It's a good time. Is it dangerous? Yes. You know, is there that fucking dark cloud of like, who really operates this club or, or what really, why is there a zoo here? <laughs> We've all been back there. Yeah, right? I was like, what the hey, fuck? Let me show you this video of the tiger. Though. Yeah. Like what the fuck is a tiger eating? You know, like <laughs> it's crazy. But you know, the whole point was like, we get back and we're like, we're two blocks from home, right? Yeah. From, from the relative safety of our Welcome retirement. to San Diego. It's so safe. And then like, oh, thank God. Like we survived going down to Tijuana mm-hmm. and we're two and blocks from our house happens? where we're supposedly fit safe and like it just goes through, like you're not safe anywhere dude people see everybody's getting shot up in this country everywhere you go yeah. so like don't make it seem like that's so much worse than what we got i understand it's got its problems mexico's got its problems who doesn't we love it no matter what who but doesn't? Like, it's not exactly like we can just piss out of the tent the whole time check him out yo you seen that fucking to wrap this thing up a young guy listening to your radio show you know kogo sports talk i want to do what darren smith does what are you telling that guy what are you telling that young person? Don't. Go ahead. Go, <laughs> go ahead. Go yeah, ahead. go ahead. Um, no, I mean, you just... I, I want there to be a whole generation of, of people who come up who want to do this sort of thing, but I don't know that I can even give advice because it's just such a different... There's such a... Uh, it's such a different field. It's such a different medium than it used to be. 
Um, I would say be open-minded, you know, be versatile. Don't think that you want to be on radio on Extra 1360, on Sports Talk or on Kogo. Don't limit yourself. Um, I got into this business wanting to be a play-by-play guy, a baseball play-by-play guy. That seems to be the common goal for people that get into the radio industry. Yeah. Now that's like the furthest thing from from what it is that I'm going to do from my own reality. So be willing to do other stuff. Uh, sometimes it might be, it, it, you might think it's it's beneath, beneath you, you. Correct. You know, because when I grew up, it was like, oh, I don't really want to do talk. Like I want to be play by play. So, you know, be open-minded. Like if you're in this business, be in this business. Uh, I would say also... Not that I want to make sweeping generalizations about like millennials or, or things, but, you know, be willing to um, be willing to sacrifice, you know, be willing to do different things, be willing to accept any responsibility. Don't wait for the perfect job. If you want to be in sports, if you want to be in news, go be in sports, go be in news. Like, create, create that opportunity. Create the opportunity and put yourself in a position to be lucky. That's what I did. I mean, I came out here to be a $30,000 a year producer. Not a lot of upside there. And now I'm going on almost 20 years doing this. I own a house. I've got a great life. I'm a guest on the Emo Brown podcast. <laughs> Low light of the week. So, <laughs> you know, I mean, but we got you drunk. <laughs> uh, you did get me drunk. So, you know, I mean, be open-minded about it. Don't think, you know, it's sort of like, it's sort of like thinking that you have a type, mm. like, a, like a significant other yep. like in a relationship that you've got a type. You know, like whatever your type is, like be open-minded about it because sometimes, you know, you can rule a lot of things out by being stubborn about what your type is. So, you know, be open-minded about it. Like just, you know, if you don't think you want to be a talk show, try it. You might love it. You might end up liking it. It could provide you for a really, really good life. New goals for you. What, what are you looking forward to doing? What is the next step? What is the next chapter? Are you happy with your current position? Do you want to grow that? In 10 years, where is Darren Smith? Uh, 10 years, I, I don't believe that I will be in broadcasting. Uh, if I'm going to be in this business, I think I'm probably going to be in um, working for a team, as we discussed. Uh, you know, I think I'm, I'm to the point where you know, I'm, I'm sort of running out of challenges. Uh, I've, you know, not to... No, not you're, to, you're killing it. No, it's not a matter of like, I'm not Brian. No, no, you're, everything that you touch, you excel at. Everything yeah. that you set your mind to, you seem to kill it. Yeah, I mean it's it's well, thank you. I mean it's been a good run. There's there's no doubt. Um, but you know there are other things. I mean that's why when I came back to to iHeart and people said, well, why are you doing this Kogo show? I was like, well, I realized when I was unemployed, the only way people viewed me was as a sports radio host. So I wanted to do other stuff. So very much strategically doing Kogo. That was awesome move, bro. Fucking awesome move. I wanted to add that line. I also wanted to work with Loyal. I wanted to do pre and post game video work and be able to add that line to my resume. I didn't, I didn't want to end up ever in a situation again where all I had was a really, really good resume, but a resume that was limited to one thing. So yeah, I just want to continue to grow and expand. And I know it sounds hokey and cheesy as shit, but like, I just, you know, I just want to, I mean, I'm looking into, um, I'm looking into your line of work. I'm in UPS. I'm, Looking into uh, uh, in, a brewery. In, the, in the service industry, you know, I'm, I'm just, you know, I just, I want to be a little bit more uh, multidimensional. So from that standpoint, I don't really set five, seven, ten year goals. I, you know, I sort of go with the flow, and mm. that's the way my life has been structured, and my wife's life has been structured. Um, you know, we've got aging parents who live in other parts of the country, and we're only children, so that's something that we're going to have to take into consideration. 
But, you know, I, I, I mean, just, you know, I just want to uh, provide, I, I just want to give myself as many opportunities as possible. And, you know, wherever that takes me, working for a team, being part of something that might someday result in providing a lot of people with happiness, changing the landscape of sports in San Diego, all that sort of stuff is really, really appealing to me. You know, it's not that I'm, I'm not bored with radio, but there are times where you go, you know, I've, I've accomplished a I've lot. I'm really it. proud yeah. of it. I'm incredibly proud of it. I'm incredibly grateful for it. Um, is there other stuff out there? No, I think, I think we'll see. I just, I don't want to be somebody who, uh, this isn't, this is a very cruel business. And without naming names, I think sometimes, you know, you see people in this market who have been legends who, you know, just sort of struggle to, to hang on. And, and I just, you know, I want to be able to write my own and last you. couple of chapters. And, Good on you, man. You know, I mean, and and I don't need to be in the spotlight. I don't need to be on the radio. I don't need to, I don't need, you know, I don't need any of that. I'm not addicted to it. You know, there are a lot of people who are addicted to the, um, you know, to attention. The, the day in, day out attention. And, and, you know, I don't, I don't need the mic. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just need to be happy. Do you hear that teaser? You doesn't need the mic. Take a fucking note. Every now and then, dog. <laughs> I would, I think I'd be really, really happy owning, you know, three punk ales. Boom. I know a guy that might be selling it. Let me know. Well, we can talk. Jeez. Jesus. Damn. Did I just sell three punk ales? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Dude, I just got a new credit card. <laughs> I keep selling this shit, bro. What the fuck is going on? Privileged to know you, dude. Yeah. Real well, talk. Uh, thank you. I, I love everything that you're involved with. Yeah, you know, I look forward to everything you get. I love the loyal post game shows. I love the live drops yeah. that you guys do on Instagram when at halftime, like, hey guys, what's yeah. going on? How do you feel? The awkwardness of Jordan, like, oh fuck. You know, like it, it's just. You guys are a dynamic duo. I unnamed love watching it. Podcast, the like, unnamed yeah. soccer podcast, bro. The fucking Golsh beer is coming back. Is the, it coming back? Yeah, bro. We're canning it. We're designing we it. A new label and everything. Packs. The fucking yeah. four packs. I told Jordan, I was like, bro, the fucking now that the pandemic is over, the the sponsorship is all coming back. It's all happening. Like that's what I'm excited for. I'm yeah. excited that we all like. Nobody was spared through this pandemic that we were in. You know, it, right. it grabbed a hold of all of us, businesses, um, enterprises, industries, different fucking, uh, you know, paths of life. We're getting out of it now. Boom. You know, I feel like yeah. we're slowly like finding our way out and people are going to come, come out of it with a new renewed uh, way of looking at things. And I think it's a better way. We went through a lot of shit in this last year and, and, yeah. and, and months and change, you know, but I, I feel that we're in a better place. I feel that people have learned to, position themselves to do things more for themselves as opposed to being a number in a corporation or, you know, it, it's given me a lot of time to reflect and think I'm not as old as you Darren. Thank God. No, but I mean, you know, just a young pup, <laughs> I'm just a young pup at 42. But honestly, man, I feel like even at 42, I learned a lot. It sounds like at you at 48, you learned a shit ton. I did. I mean, the last year has been eye opening, and, and I don't say this just to, uh, to butter up the host. Like, you know, I, I, I found myself saying, who are the people in life who you, who you're inspired by? You talk about being an employee number, right? Like, and Caesar said it earlier, like I, you know, working at ESPN, you were an employee number. I work at iHeart. I'm an employee number. You know, I, I've grown to, um, to really appreciate people. Jordan would be a great example. Um, you know, you and three punk and, and everybody who works here, like, you know, people who bet on themselves, you know, it's a whole Kobe Bryant line. If you're going to bet on anybody, why don't you bet on yourself? Bet on yourself mm -hmm. And I think that that's, you know, that's something like I have done that. Hell like, extent, yeah, fool. What do you mean? But like to the point where, you know, where where like it's like literally yours and like yours and your nuts are out there on that line. Like, 
you know, it's, it's different. So like I, I am, I'm inspired by people like you and I'm inspired by people who, you know, who take chances. I mean, you know, I took a chance. Like I moved across the country for $0. Across the fucking country, bro. I'll never, like, yeah. there, there will never That's be a more difficult move. But like literal. I also remember like, you know, I mean, the, the brave get rewarded in life. And, you know, that's that's to me, like, the big takeaway. Like, that's that's what life is all about, is taking those chances, not playing it safe. And, you know, I, I just appreciate everything that you do. You've become, you guys have both, like, I will tell you, like, Caesar and, like, through several different employers over the years, he has been one of the most uh, stead, steady people that I've had, and, you know, a listener and a friend and, and you, Steve, like what you've done with our podcast, it's just been great. It's a like, good Mexican trait that we, we carry. Yeah, Boop. it is. <laughs> <laughs> and I thank you guys. I appreciate you both. You know, and Damn, I know, homie, I didn't know you were going to cry like Jordan. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm not. I'm not Dude, we, lo- we, we love having you here. Like I said, it's a privilege to fucking know you. It's it's awesome to to we appreciate your support. Yeah, and we we're here for all of it, man. We're here for all of it. I look forward to seeing what you what you have up your sleeve. You, you kind of uh, pulled the curtain back in a little bit on what you want to do and what you want to accomplish yeah. moving forward. Anything we can do, bro, yeah. to help you fucking grease the the fucking doorways and make it happen, we're here for and, it. And we don't we don't say what we say lightly. Like you set the bar really high. Man. Mm-hmm. That's why it's a privilege to have you here, and that's why we're honored to have you here. Oh, thank you. Damn. I appreciate it. Damn. All right. Now I'm that just we're glad done. I got to see this bunker down here. Because <laughs> there was ever an alien attack. This Can I tell you something? I'm that you I hope you right don't get here. scared. You gotta get oh, a keg yeah. line down oh, here. Oh god. Bro. Right there where you're sitting. Okay. Where you're sitting where your glasses are. Um we had a no the, I'm sorry, the, the pine pine glassware. Where the glassware is, this place is haunted. Like legitimately. Oh, cool. Yeah, no joke. So I put a piece of uh, a pastry there and, and a close up bottle of water because somebody told me, say you got some things going on there, do this. And I was like, all right, so I did it. So I put a pastry. He's, he's at a card reading. <laughs> I got some shit now. And, and I put a, piece, a little pastry there and I put a bottle of water with a cap tied on and it came back. To, and I didn't tell anybody, fo. I didn't tell anybody because I believe in that shit. I used to be that asshole that would move the Ouija board and be like, <laughs> you know, like I was that dickhead. So I was like, I'm not going to tell anybody. I'm just going to let this shit happen. I came back the next day. There was a fucking bite mark in the pastry and the water cap was screwed off and halfway drank. Come on, bro. Not kidding. Real talk. So what's the story of this building? Then? The story of this building once upon a time was, was uh, somebody killed in this room. No. I don't. I, okay. Well, look, if you look over here before it was painted, there was like, you see like an edge of a doorway. Kind of like, right. It's right here. You can see like the doorway alley. here. Boom, boom, boom. There is no other side to this. This is the only basement on this block. You know, like there's nothing else. And if you get close here, you can see that under the carpet, there's like, it starts to decline like there's steps going down. So there's some shit on this side and going down. And we don't know what it is. And um, <laughs> I've always wanted to open it, but I never wanted to fuck with it. <laughs> this used to be a church, some weird ass fucking church. Come we, on. Yeah. Bro, there's some, there, there's some things in this place. There's some things in this place. A I'm, church here where yeah. Three Punk Ales is? In the bottom, in the basement. In I the used to belly, go to a club bro. in New York City called The Limelight. Go ahead. That was a deconsecrated church and all sorts of crazy shit used to go on there. Like uh, real podcast, talk. all the drugs that Dude. used to go on. <laughs> Bro, this is a crazy spot. Ever tell you about the time I did cocaine with the guys from uh, Guns N' Roses? I'm ready. Go ahead. What? <laughs> tell me about Duffy. <laughs> yeah. Do you used to do drugs with fucking Axel, bro? Axel didn't make it that night. You guys remember the show where Guns N' Roses and Metallica were touring together? Yes. And remember they didn't the play at Sports Arena until 2 a.m.? 
Uh, well, they play. I don't know about that, but I know they played yeah. the Meadowlands one night, and they walked off because people were throwing shit up on stage. Yeah, there was a show here that they did at Sports Arena. But, but why? Because people were throwing shit because they were supposed to play like at ten, and they didn't yeah. fucking show up till like one in the morning. Yeah, the show started here. at two a.m. Oh my gosh! Yeah. So that night they were playing at the Meadowlands where the Giants and Jets used to play. Never heard of. Them. So I got. So stoned. And I passed out during Metallica, which was the fucking opener for Guns N' Roses. And How do you pass up, out during war? Or fucking, come on, guy. Bro, like, it was some killer weed. <laughs> so anyway, so I wake up and, like, Guns N' Roses is on. And all of a sudden, now, Alec, Axl Rose is yelling. He's like, hey, motherfucker, you're throwing bottles up on stage. Fuck you. We're out of here. We're walking off the stage. And they walked off the stage. They didn't come back. So now, all of a sudden, I got my second win. We get in the car, we drive into New York City because the Meadowlands are in New Jersey. We go to this place called The Limelight, which is on the corner of 20th and 8th Street, I want to say. I used to go there all the time, like New York City club kid, ecstasy the whole bit. You were in the, you were little known fact, Darren was in the uh, the movie Kids. He was an extra. He was Casper's <laughs> he was Casper's stand stand in. Go ahead. Right. And sure enough, <laughs> I go into the back room and like here's Kurt Loder from MTV, here's Duff McKagan, oh my here's God. Slash, and everybody's like, hey, to uh, bump some blow off everybody's hands and like, no uh, joke like I was like I just left the Meadowlands you guys you just walked off stage and they went right to the limelight and everybody was just hanging out in the champagne room dude New York dude, in the early awesome. 90s late yeah. 80s must have been the shit it was when I was like all of our high school post prom parties were at the at this place called the limelight or 1018 where I mean just yeah crazy the Roxy all those spots yeah it was I've been to New York a handful of times you know and 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 I fucking love it. I haven't, I have not been back. I have not been back since the pandemic started. And, and wifey and I were on a good one where we would go like every summer, you know, every time we go, we go to little Italy. And every time we go to little Italy, we go to Mulberry street and we go to Mulberry street. We go to a place called Umberto's, you know, cause I, I, I grew up and watching and learning. I'm a cartel geek. Like I've read books. I've watched documentaries. I've somebody learned audio, you know, somebody tried to blow up your car. Somebody tried to blow my fucking car. It's Rothstein, bro. <laughs> like I, you know, like, like I, I'm heavy into it. I love it. So when I read about like crazy Joe Gallo and being shot up at fucking Umberto's, I went, I wanted to see what it was about, bro. I love New York. Yeah. It's a city filled with history culture. It's just rich in stories, architecture. Dude, everything is nice. It's, it's, I would never live there. No. <laughs> don't no, get me fucking, don't fucking about, like, get me three, wrong. Four days and I'm like, yeah, we spent. I, yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I would never live there, but I but, love going but. and visiting there. I love the food. I love the nightlife. We went to so many little speakeasies. We, went, we walked everywhere. We walked from Little Italy to Chelsea to fucking you know every everywhere on the island we went to, and then we took tours. We went tours. We went on a bike ride across Brooklyn Bridge, and we visited that borough. I love that place, bro. So picture the temple mm. off the five freeway. Okay. Right? In La Jolla. Mormontown, USA. Go yeah. ahead. Picture of that was turned into a nightclub. Ooh. That's what the limelight used to be. What the fuck? Because so, it still had the spires. It still had all of the decoration of a church, except it was a nightclub. And Kurt Loder was doing blow there. Kurt Loder. I met <laughs> Kurt Loder. He invited me to go on MTV. Uh, whatever was, what was the show? MTV Live? Yeah. Or whatever that show was. What the fuck did he want you to do? And, he was, well, and, and people were passing out $5 little bumps of blow that they would put right in the little web of their hand. Oh, man. Yeah. Damn, you, that, that, that's second nature right there. Look at you, fool. I just, <laughs> <laughs> old bro, habit right bro, there. Maybe next podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you do Believe not me, scare There's me. a lot more that we can we can get into. As I like to say when we always finish with one, when somebody would bring in. Be back for more. This is the first layer, bro. We're all onions. <laughs> yeah. we, 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 we've just barely peeled off the first layer. You know, there, there was almost tears. There was emotion. There was this. There was that. 
Darren Smith. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you motherfucker. We got, yeah, we, I feel like we legitimately scratch and sniff the surface of what you're all about, dog. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We'll bring you back in. Ladies Every and gentlemen, time. that was Darren Play your clip. Play your clip. Which I one do you want to? I know you what? want to because he was there. Oh, you mean this one? Que golazo, Steve Garcia. Steve. That's for the people from the South. Hey, motherfucker. Woo! 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 Never invited back to the soccer game. After that. Dude, that keeper was pissed. Bro, it turns out that keeper was a goal uh, goalkeeper for the goals. Yeah, and he got his throat slashed by a fucking yeah. a skate. He's got the nasty. And that was an asshole. Like I was, I was punking him, bro. Dude, he was so pissed post game. Remember that? I remember. He's like that fucking cholo. Yeah. <laughs> it was the best. Like, was I like, was. We're dude. in the room. We're all like high and on. He's like, hey, fucking cholo, how can you trip me? Yeah, dude, that guy was. He was buttered. But I have he a picture. Butter. We were hugging. We drank. We started drinking Califino tequila. We were. I smoked a bunch. Oh, of- you know, you know where Califino tequila is going to be? No idea. At the Emo Brown Golf Invitation. You invited them? Oh, yeah. All right. Cool. Awesome. Well done. That was awesome, man. I mean, fucking weed, tequila, scoring goals, fucking pissing off white dudes. Dude, he fucking trips this guy and he blows him a kiss. He's like, as he walks on by. Dude, I've always been Zlatan. I will never not be Zlatan. (laughs) He kicks his one foot over the other leg. He tripped. He trips down and and he goes... Oh, an old ass man. He wanted to kill me. Did I I not send you the pictures when I was there? Then I scored a goal. Then it was over. Thank yeah, we heard oh, the equalizer. Oh, well, my God. My thank God. you, Darren. We can't let this shit thank get out of hand, bro. We appreciate you, brother. Thank you very much.